Thank you for listening to the BJJ Brick Podcast. We'll be bringing you Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and good times. We hope to flatten your Jiu-Jitsu learning curve, help you get the most out of your grappling ability, and meet your goals both on and off the mat. Welcome back, my friends, to the BJJ Brick Podcast. This is episode 249 this week, and we have a great interview with Christina Barlon. Uh, I've got my partners in crime, as usual, here, uh, Byron and Joe, Byron Jabara and Joe Thomas, and uh, those two guys just got done playing a game of Twister. So what's <laughs> happening with you guys? It was no gee twister, Gary. I'm nursing an ankle. I'm nursing an ankle injury now. Yeah, but you know, I, I like that you guys started playing Twister uh, together all the time, and and you say it really helps with jujitsu. You know, flexibility, putting yourselves in different positions, and uh, you know, it's made you guys a lot closer. You said, yeah. When that right hand goes on red, it uh, that's why I guess Joe's ankle got kind of banged up anyway. Yeah, it's all, yeah. It's all about the camaraderie, right? What, yeah. Uh, on a second, what an odd game, like to market and sell to a bunch of kids. <laughs> <laughs> now, who made up that game? You know, it's. <laughs> well, it was the '60s, if I remember. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you think about think about that game for jujitsu, like. I tell you, I think, it, you know, you're you're basically doing planks in some positions. You know, you're doing hip heists. You know, there's a lot of, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe uh, schools should use that as a warm-up. Yeah. Maybe yeah. that's a, you know, Byron, you should make a YouTube video about how you use Twister, you know, to make your jiu-jitsu better. All right, Gary, I'll put that one on the list. Uh, yeah. As that soon as you make two audio. videos, okay. I'll make the list. I'll finish the list off. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that'd be, I mean, you could do like spin the, the little dial and make it, you know, uh, right hand foot lock, you know, left foot. And then you got to figure out how to get there from where you are. That'd be kind of a interesting thing to do. Yeah. I mean, Byron, you could have just made yourself a million dollars. Dang it. Well, I just gave the idea to everybody or perhaps anybody and feel free to run with that. And I think it's Gary's idea more than anybody's. Well, he has my idea of Twister, but you thought about how to incorporate the, you know, the footlocks and everything into it. You know, you're actually good at that, figuring out, you know, audiobooks, you know, to make yourself, make people better at jujitsu. Like a Twister would be and, a game you could play on the map. Yeah, I mean, it could be, you know, six games for BJJ. Uh, we have a link to it on the show notes. <laughs> it's Byron's uh, audiobook. And, uh, you know, jiu-jitsu is supposed to be about fun, uh, but we also want to get better. And the cool thing about six games for BJJ, and Twister's not one of them, but uh, maybe somehow in the Volume revised two, edition, yeah. Yeah, it could get in there. But um, basically, it's it's just, uh, you know, it it's for you. It's for your teammates. It's going to make you better on the mat. It's going to make you have fun on the mat. It's going to keep you on the mat. And that's our goal. We want to grow jujitsu and what a better way to do it than six games for BJJ. Like I said, we have the link to it in the show notes. Check it out. I've used it. Joe's used it. Byron's used it. You know, a lot of very important people have used it. Donald Trump's used it. So um, definitely check it out. And I may have been lying about the last part, but uh, the rest of us have used it and got good results from it. I don't know. After Trump downloaded his, copy uh negotiations with uh north korea has 
taken a drastic turn. That that makes sense. Maybe that's why you know he doesn't have the free time to do it now. You know he's busy uh, playing BJJ games. I, I will comment on this because you know uh, we are recording this several weeks before it actually airs. So if something happens that we didn't know about it. <laughs> Nothing's going to happen, Byron. That takes a long time to start those negotiations back up okay. and, and to get us over to North Korea. Yep. Yeah, and there's, Pete, there's now peace in the Middle East, and we owe it all to Byron. <laughs> <laughs> Not only did Byron make a million bucks earlier, now he's credited with peace in the Middle East. Thank you, guys. That really means a lot. And I've been working for this you know, through the route of Jiu-Jitsu for years. Joe has the off-the-mat lesson for us. What do you have for us, it Joe? It is. It is. It's that time of the show where we bring to you a lesson from off the mat that we're taking on the mats. And this this, uh, lesson comes from our last recordings. Last week, Byron and I and Gary got on the horn and we're recording an episode. And prior to the recording, Byron asked if anybody had an off the mat lesson. I said, I did. I, I didn't really, but I had several things I could choose from, you know, ideas running around in my head. But then Byron's dog barked and his doorbell rang and maybe his phone rang and he had to go check on some things. So Gary and I started talking about some things that were more important than jujitsu. Believe it or not, there are things more important than jujitsu. And I didn't give the off the mat lesson another thought until Byron said, and this week Joe's got the off the mat (laughs) lesson. (laughs) And I literally had this idea in my head consciously that I'll just start talking and something will develop. And so I started talking and it quickly turned into babbling. And I was just like, guys, I got nothing. I couldn't even think of anything. But I got to thinking afterwards about how many of us approach jujitsu that way. I think most of us do when we first start. You know, we don't know anything about it. And we're like, you know what? I'm just going to sign up for some classes and I'll see where that takes me. But uh, man, when I tried the off the mat lesson, like I'll just start talking and see what happens. It was a dumpster fire. And honestly, I think with anything in life, if you don't have a plan, if you don't think ahead as to what might happen and then have contingency plans, uh, your progress is going to be disappointing at best. So I think in jujitsu, eventually, you know, after you've done it a few months, you have to start to have a plan where I want to be in a year, where I want to be in five years. But maybe more importantly, you have to approach each class with a plan, each week with a plan each month and so you might think uh, this month I'm going to work on closed guard and then each class you think uh, this class I'm going to work on this closed guard technique when we have free rolling and then the next class I'm going to work on this and the more you plan the more successful you will be now tell me the truth guys was it a dumpster fire like I'm uh, <laughs> describing last time <laughs> so uh, what what you're describing happened but the through the magic of audio editing None of that actually made it to the episode. Yeah, we said, hey, Joe, what do you have this week? And, and my dog barked, and then I, my, my, the doorbell rang, my dog barked, and it was my sister. So she, she called me, and I missed her at the door. My doorbell hardly ever rings, and when it is, it's just FedEx dropping something off. And so I just, ah, I'll let it go, and then my phone rings. and then So I was gone for 10 minutes, and all that got edited out. <laughs> but that did happen, and we, I came back. I threw you the, the set up for the uh off the mat lesson you're like i uh, don't know <laughs> and we made it happen anyway but but it wasn't your off the mat lesson but yeah dumpster fire and i've been in a few dumpster fires joe and after the uh, the initial stage of dumpster fire is like a smoldering little bit of a fire inside of a dumpster and then it burns into a little bit more of a fire and then the lid of the dumpster fire melts 
and then it's just burning because there's the lid is off of the off the pot, so to speak, and it's just free burning. It didn't quite get that far. You said, "Okay, I'm putting this thing out," and you just passed it. <laughs> yeah, before before you start to smell that plastic yeah. and all the trash. <laughs> but at the end of the day, as long as the dumpster's not too close to a building or somebody's house, it's just trash burning. You know, Joe, that is a great lesson. And as you were talking about it, it made me think. You know, I I know Byron really well, and and Joe, I'm getting to know you better and better. And it, you guys probably get to know me, and you guys realize that. I'm the the slacker, never prepared for anything. I just, I've always been that way. I just, you know, hey, I just show up. I have no plans and, you know, drives my wife crazy. On on his smarts and his good looks. Drives my (laughs) wife crazy, drives my boss crazy. That's just the way I am. But, you know, we're talking about dumpster fires on, in, in our podcast. And, you know, that's the first one I've seen Joe go through. Byron's went through a couple, (laughs) but. It makes me think about, because I'm really not a planner, I have 50 times more dumpster fires where I just start talking and just stop and just start cussing. And it's like, I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> and and it made me think. It, it is due, like Joe said, I don't plan it as well as these guys. I don't um, you know, write the stuff down. I don't prepare as much. And that's why I go through that versus, you know, Joe, that's his first time. Byron, you know, goes through one every now and then. And and, uh, you know, maybe I, I do need to do that, uh, well, you know, prepare a little bit better. Gary, I would say don't be so hard on yourself. You're also older. So <laughs> some of this could be yeah, how old you old are. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say don't worry about it. Byron will just edit it out anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You and I can come just babble and we'll let yeah. Byron make it all nice in the end. Yeah, it's yeah. hard to make Wait. babbling good content, so I just yeah. cut it out. Yeah, Byron will just put it on the app. You know, the BJJ Brick app. Definitely download it. Check it out. You need it. Yep. You can find that in any app store that you want to look for the app. And if, especially it's it's made for people who don't typically listen to podcasts. So you have a friend who doesn't listen to any podcast. The odds are if you're listening to this, you listen to more than, than one or two. But uh, tell your friend, hey, check out this podcast. I, say, I don't know how to do that. I don't even have a an iPod, a magic iPod. Well, don't worry, my friend. Download the app. It updates all the time. Anytime there's an episode, it'll pull it through on there, and you get to download it and listen at your leisure. Super yeah. easy. Well, you guys talk about how old I am. You know, I was talking to Joe the other day and trying to figure out how to download it on my Walkman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my biggest hassle is carrying extra batteries for my boombox. <laughs> but you do have a lot of shoulder strength. You know, That's that definitely right. helps you. <laughs> Shoulder and trap strength. Yep. Uh, our technologies change over the years, and so do our attitudes and ways of thinking. Ooh, good segue, Byron. That kind of brings us to the quote of the week. <laughs> <laughs> and it's by John Maxwell, and he says, Everybody has at least a few areas in their thinking and some attitudes that need to change. If you want to improve your life, you need to go after those areas. And then Byron put a question in the show notes. What areas of your BJJ need to change? I would suggest that the first area to examine would be your thinking and your attitudes towards BJJ. Um, Maybe looking at uh, ego a little bit. Is your ego fragile? Do you come into class each time thinking, you know, I got to get a tap. I got to I got to win a round. Um, You know, if you've got those kind of thinking, that kind of attitude, that might be the first thing you want to change. What do you think, Gary? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely with you there. Um, you know, one thing that made me start thinking about is I remember, you know, even though I started jujitsu in my mid to late 30s, I remember thinking, man, there's no way I'm going to, you know, being taught a triangle. I'm not going to be able to do a triangle. I remember having that in my head that I don't know why I thought that, but I just thought a triangle would never be my move. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think when you have a negative attitude like that, it can hold you back on, on a sp- sp- uh, particular move. You know, if I'm telling my myself that, hey, for some reason I'm not going to be able to do this move, I'm never going to be able to do it. And I, I remember then, you know, once I finally hit my first triangle and actually the funny thing is my first triangle, I hit it without the arm in. <laughs> <laughs> was it with a gi and the, your hand in their collar? No, it was just uh, just, a, just a scissor squeeze, huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean scissor it was lock. early in my career. I'll still never forget that. But it's funny from there. That I just uh, kept going, and, and at one point, triangle was you know became my move. And you know, I think that when I had that negative attitude, you know, it took a long time for me to hit that armless triangle. You know, and then when I finally hit it, it you know all of a sudden it's like, oh, maybe I can do this. And then I just started hitting them. So uh, you know, I just think you know. If your mind is telling you, you know, you can't go down that path, you're not going to be able to go down that path. You know, your mind is a powerful tool. And uh, as long as it's positive and, and keeping you in the right mind, you're you're going to do very good and positive stuff. Yeah. And that's uh, on the mat. Good lesson. Off the mat, you take that with you as well. Um, you know, you could be somebody who says, I'm not good about planning or organizing my thoughts. And then you start to change that. And looking at myself, this podcast, you know, we're episode 249. Uh, Go back to episode, you know, single digits. One of my biggest struggles was scheduling things. I I was terrible at scheduling things. I'd, I'd say, hey, let's do an interview this day. I would forget. I would forget to send them a reminder. I would be busy that day. Something else would happen. Like this happened to me all the time. It's so unprofessional to contact somebody that you don't know, ask them to do an interview. They say yes. You know, an episode, a podcast with, with ten episodes. Oh yeah, people were just scrambling to get onto the show. <laughs> but people would do it. You know, and a lot of them were friends of of us, just just your friends. And I would just, I was so messed up with this this sort of thing and I said well if I'm going to do this podcast and I'm going to not make everybody mad at me who I'm trying to contact and interview I need to become somebody who is good at my own schedule I, I don't have a secretary <laughs> I have a phone though and that's a calendar app I use my calendar app constantly and it, the best thing about my calendar app is that it, it has uh, notifications so I set a date on my calendar interviewing uh, Joe on you know the 8th and then I'll set a reminder for 24 hours before, and I'll set a reminder for an hour before. 24 hours before it kicks on, hey, reminder, you have an interview with Joe. I'll text Joe right away. Hey, Joe, just a heads up. Remember, we're doing this tomorrow. Let me know if you can't make it. And then an hour before the show is just another reminder for me. Hey, you need to be getting home. You need to be getting the equipment ready to go, have your, your questions and your, your pre-interview study stuff done with. Um, and And just that has changed me drastically. And it's not just for the... Uh, podcast. I mean, uh, a couple years before the show, I almost missed a, a family Christmas. My mom called me like, "Are you going to show up?" I was like, "Oh, it's today." <laughs> I kind of, I'm like, man. I, there were a lot of areas I struggled with, like looking at a calendar and not remembering what days because my work schedule is so random. 
it uh it, it's it's kind of messed me up there's no such thing as a weekend or a week and uh yeah but the show's helped me with that and i have i've changed i had to change my attitude about my my own ability to be not bad at scheduling things and it, it's and uh, my attitude and my thoughts about myself have changed uh, a lot of it is just using a tool like a phone and it's it's helped me a ton I don't know how, how much this goes with the quote, but I think it is. John Maxwell said this quote. He wrote a book, uh, something about great leaders. Ask, no, good leaders ask great questions. No, great leaders ask good questions. I think it's one of the two I should look that up. It's a very good book on leadership. If you are a gym owner or in a spot in a leadership position at work or something like that, it's a great book. It's 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 on leadership. Obviously, it's not about jujitsu at all. But man, I think anybody who owns a jujitsu gym should check out that book by John Maxwell. Yeah, that, hey, Byron, book I want... is, that book is good. Leaders ask great questions. <laughs> <laughs> Byron, I want to go back. Uh, you know, you were talking about the podcast in here. Um, you know about how you learned how to schedule and got better at it. And you know, John Maxwell talks about you know if you want to improve, you need to go after those areas. And you know, going back to the podcast is, you know, Byron does all of our, uh, well, not all now that Joe's here, but our interviews. And, you know, this is how, you know, the podcast is so important to Byron. Byron didn't just want to put together some crappy podcast, which is weird because he he asked me to join him, <laughs> you know, the guy, who, the crappy guy. But, um, you know, Byron wanted to, to have the best podcast possible. And, you know, what really shows me the type of person Byron is and wanting to improve is Byron went to uh, wanted to become a better speaker, so he signed up for Toastmasters. I mean, signed up for Toastmasters so he could give better interviews, sound better on air, and really that just showed me the type of person Byron is. He just doesn't want to be good at jujitsu. Byron, when he gets into something and wants to do it, he wants to be good at whatever he's doing. He wants to be the best he can possibly be, and uh, you know it's good to. Good to have friends as Joe and Byron because I, I just look at those guys. They make great choices. They try to better themselves. They, you know, try to make everybody else around them better. And, uh, you know, the podcast is better because of Byron, because of Joe. And I'm a better person because I hang out with guys like that uh, that are, you know, that are always trying to get better. And uh, when you hang out with people like that or you see people, you know, working on their weak areas, it, you know, it just makes me want to catch up or, or I'm going to be left behind. Well, Gary's being self-deprecating as usual. Uh, <laughs> More like self-defecating. Man, man, you bring a ton of, ton of value to the show, but uh, I think you are making a valid point about surrounding yourself with the right kind of people. And, you know, I, th- I think that's part of the, uh, I mean, it may be on the fringe of being related to this quote, but there's definitely value of surrounding yourself with the right kind of people. And that really gets us to our interview with Christina. We, we the interview is a lot of jujitsu stuff. She tells her story, got an amazing story uh, about jujitsu and and what she's doing. We also talk about mental health and struggles that she's had uh, with depression or suicidal thoughts, and that's one of the things. Surrounding yourself with people that want to support you, people that love you, and a lot of that comes from jujitsu. Um, we may not be able to understand you fully, but it, you. But we're on your team, and we're here to help you. Not just your team, just a team, but we're here being as a team as your team. You know, Team Joe, not just Team Competition Joe, but, you know, make sure Joe's doing good life in general, not just Joe's, you know, got a really great armbar. And 
you get that feeling with having uh, a, a good quality environment at jujitsu. You feel like you have a team for your life and not just a, a competition team. So uh, we get into that a little bit. Um, it's an interesting conversation. We've never had, we've talked about like suicide awareness and, and mental health issues, but not quite like this. You know, I, I really appreciate Christina for opening up and, and sharing uh, so much of her life and, and being willing to help others as well. So this is a very important conversation or interview that we have. And um, I'm very grateful that she was able to come on the show and, and share that with us today. So here we go. He is the most interesting grappler in the world. He taught Tyler Durden how to make soap just because they had extra supplies. He once got a mat burn. It ended up causing a three-alarm fire. When he pulls guard, the ref gives him two points. If you watch his competition footage, you will see Mr. Miyagi looking at him with approval. don't always listen to podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the BJJ Brick Podcast. Stay listening, my friends. All right, my friends, I'm happy to bring Christina Barlon back to the BJJ Brick Podcast. Christina, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me again, Byron. <laughs> yeah, I'm really happy you're here. Um, just to let everybody know, we're recording this uh, kind of in the uh, middle of May, and what is going to air, it will actually be after Worlds, and uh, th- that's on the calendar. So uh, this interview might be a little differently uh, received. I'm, I'm really hoping, you, I'm thinking you're going to do great this year. Oh, thank you so much. I'm, I'm hoping, you know, there's a lot of, um, uh, I don't say confidence issues going into this um, this world, it's just, uh, but I mean, there's there's some confidence issues going into this this world. It's just mainly because I um, was injured back in December, so this will be my first time competing in six months. So it's like a nice welcome back tournament. <laughs> oh god, <laughs> no big deal. It's just worlds. <laughs> yeah, you've competed on the big stage uh, many times at, at different belt levels. Could you just give us a, a little glimpse at your competition history and what, what brought you to jujitsu? Um, well, let's see, competition history. My very first time competing was at the, so this is the first time that they had the international novice. So this is where they actually let like white belts compete at worlds. It's not actually a world title. Uh, but 2008 was the first time that they had, that they offered this division for the white belts to compete at. And that was my very first time competing. I had been training about six months at that point. Um, and uh, my professor, Kai Teha, was just like, you should compete. And I'm like, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I'm ready to compete. I was like, no, you'll be fine. And I didn't realize how big this tournament was. Like, I just thought, like, yeah, you just sign up. You're, you're going to do fine. You know, like, I think everyone kind of downplayed it or just wasn't making a big deal because I, I really didn't know, like, how big it was supposed to be. <laughs> and, then, um, and then I got there and I'm like, well, there's a lot of people here. And I guess this is, like, a really big deal. And... Um, I ended up winning, and um, it was a really fun, fun experience because I didn't have any expectations for myself. I kind of just went in, and like I didn't even know any takedowns. Like, I, I like at that point, uh, white belts could still jump guard, you know. And so, uh, I, I didn't practice any takedowns. Everyone's like, I don't even know how to start from standing. They're like, it's okay, you're just gonna jump guard. And everybody was te- uh, teaching me how to do like flying arm bars and flying triangles. I think like the one takedown I knew how to do was like 
grab both collars and try and like shake them to the ground and it somehow worked <laughs> and i'm like man like i i am I, I i have no idea what how it is to prepare for a jiu-jitsu tournament but i'm just gonna do what i'm really 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 good at and we're just gonna hope that that works and it did so i ended up um having three matches and i submitted everybody um like that was my first time learning about what stripes were like <laughs> i'm on the podium and i was so like out of place like i was standing on that podium with like no shoes on my gi top open <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like looking around i'm like where are those pieces of tape on, on 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 their belts over there i'm like what's that black tab and like oh you know four stripes mean you're, you're getting close to getting your blue belt I'm, like i just had like a regular old like karate white belt with no black tab on it and um and I'm like, oh, well, I, I, like, I guess that's a good thing. Like, I, I, I didn't know what it, what it all meant. I didn't, I didn't let it get to my head. Um, but it was just kind of like my first time winning a medal at anything, like a gold medal in anything. And so I think like, okay, I won't say I think. I know. I wore that medal everywhere. I wore that medal to bed. I wore it to the grocery. <laughs> I wore it to the, I think the only time I took it off is when I went to the shower. <laughs> And um, everybody was uh, like laughing because the white, um, the international novice medals, so the white belt world's medals, um, was way better, like prettier looking than the actual world's medal that year. And so everybody was completely like, "What the heck? How come the white belt's like medal looks <laughs> so pretty, and like the belt for everybody else looks like like looks so ugly?" <laughs> I'm like, "I don't know, I don't know." And um, and what makes that um, tournament so memorable was that was also uh, Professor Kata's first time competing at Worlds as a black belt and was also his first time winning Worlds as a black belt and um, I had bought my gi from him and on the day of the tournament he's like Christina I need to borrow need to borrow your gi because I need a gi that's really really light I'm like oh yeah no problem Kata, no problem so he borrowed my gi and he ended up wearing my gi and so that that gi like won two gold medals in one weekend <laughs> One white belt and one black belt, and so that was forever like the lucky gi. I, I still have the gi. I haven't sold it, and um, that's probably like I, as far as like like good competition memories go. I feel like that's like, a good one to start off with because like that's pretty priceless. Like my first time winning a gold medal. Um, Kyle's first of I think it's like twelve world titles that he has now, um, like world championship titles, and so it's his first one at black belt, and um, and wearing the same gi. It was. Um, like I was like I was such a like I was so out of place, but at the same time I was like, man, I belong here. Like this is what I want to do. I love competing. I want to do this all the time, and it kind it kind of just ended up happening that way. I mean, I didn't intend for jujitsu to become my life and be my job and all I do, but somehow the universe thought fit to make it happen. And I'm just gonna go with it <laughs> for as long as I can. <laughs> so uh, about that, when did you make that decision? When uh, I know you you really fell in love with Jiu-Jitsu pretty, pretty quick. But when did you figure out and start to make a living with Jiu-Jitsu? Well, it, I won't say it happened on accident, but it kind of just, it kind of just wor- worked that way. Um, so I was a white belt, I competed a lot, and then I got into this relationship um, in which I would have to move to Arizona. And, um, you know, uh, Kyo and Caesar Gracie, because Kyo was the head instructor um, of the jiu-jitsu program over at Caesar Gracie's Academy at the time. Like, well, like, we don't want anybody else to promote you to Blue Belt, so, like, we're going to promote you to Blue Belt before you move away. And I moved to Arizona, and um, 
and uh, my well, he ended up being my fiance, but uh, we were no longer together, so he's now my ex fiance. But uh, when we were together, he was also um, he he also became my professor, so he was like black belt, and and um, and I was before before doing exclusively just jujitsu, I went to school to become a registered veterinary technician. So it's an RVT. It's pretty much the RN of animal of the animal world. Um, so I went to school, I was certified. I was working as a, before I was certified as an RVT, I was working as a veterinary assistant and, um, and I, I got my license before moving to Arizona. And then I'm in Arizona and I'm trying to find work as an RVT and I was having a lot of difficulty. I just couldn't find work. Uh, at clinics or hospitals or shelters, um, which is particularly where I um, was uh, specialized in, was like in shelter work, and no one was hiring. And um, and little by little, I just started helping with my fiance's uh, business. So you know, hey, can you help me? You know, at this tournament, can you work this table here? Can you help me at the school? Can you work the front desk? Can you? Um, you know, little by little, I just started getting more of these little tasks to start doing. And then before I knew it, all I all I was doing was working at the gym or working working the jiu-jitsu tournaments. And then that became my job. And um, and uh, as much as I wanted to have like my own, like, well, I want to have my own job, my own independence and like make my own money. Like, I don't you know, I don't want like I don't want you just be paying for everything. It's like, well, how about this? Like you are literally helping me with the business and like you're now like my employee. So then that ended up happening. And as I got up higher in, in like belt rank, once I started getting to like blue belt, starting out helping out teaching the kids classes. Then when I was a purple belt, then I was helping teaching um, like, uh, then I was running women's programs and then helping with fundamental classes and then, um, and then a lot of like bulk majority of working jiu-jitsu tournaments, helping with the brackets, helping with the registrations, designing um, the flyers, the medals, the T-shirts, um, all the all the banner and and um, all the banners and all the art designs. Like that was all my job, and um, and jiu-jitsu became everything for me. Um, and I was no longer working in the veterinary field. Everything was jiu-jitsu. So it's not like I intended it for happen, but it just out of I guess convenience or out of out of necessity um, that something needed to be done. My fiance said, "Here, I have a task. It needs to be done. Um, I don't know um, how to do this, and I want to see if you can learn how to do it, so I don't have to hire somebody else to do it." I'm like, "All right, got it. You need me to learn how to uh, use Photoshop? I'll learn how to do Photoshop. You need me to learn how to sew? I'll learn how to sew. You need me to learn how to, you know, make contacts and and contact sponsors and go on meetings and." And, and get in touch with these certain people, like, I'll do it. And and <laughs> essentially, I just picked up all these skills <laughs> because instead of him hiring somebody else, he just hired me to do it, uh, quote-unquote, hired me. And um, it, I just learned how to do the job, and, and then he would compensate me for it. So it was kind of like this weird dynamic where he wasn't just my fiancé, and he wasn't just my coach or my professor, but he was also my employer and and um and a mentor in a lot of ways like just teaching me all the skills that you need to to learn in order to survive um in jiu-jitsu from a business aspect it just sounds like so many other things that happen in in life it kind of gradually it builds it builds and you find uh where you're home and and you make a full-time thing out of it and then (laughs) that's what you do now yeah and the thing is too is like when when our relationship ended and i moved back to california and at first I was thinking, I was like, well, I'm going to have to find a job. And and then I was like, 
wait a minute. It's like, I really can't see myself doing anything else other than jujitsu. Like I have a lot of skills. I've acquired a lot of skills and I've learned how to do a lot of things. And like, I'm really, really passionate about this. Like, you know, during the time course teaching, I've also learned how to um, run seminars and run programs and do open mats and make, like, you know, market things. I'm like, I have a lot of, I have a lot of things to offer in jujitsu. Like, and I really can't see myself doing a nine to five. And so when I move back, it's just like, I really got to commit to this now. Like, some, you know, like someone else isn't going to like pay me or I don't have like, you know, a relationship to, to fall back on where, you know, the person I'm, I'm dating is the person who's also paying me. But now it's like, it's my responsibility to go out there and, and, um, and find those opportunities. And, um, and luckily I was able to just by, you know, working really, really hard and, and applying myself and asserting myself and, and things are really, really not easy. I, I, I by no means I'm saying, it's always like it's easy walk in the park and now I'm living the dream. I'm like, yeah, like the dream is I get to, I get to travel. I get to, I get to do jujitsu all day and I, and I get to connect with so many different people, um, on a level that, um, I would have never been able to imagine at a younger age, but this, you know, at the end of it, at the end of the day, it's like, man, I'm, I'm really pushing my body. Like I, I sacrifice a lot of time, uh, time, like personal time. Like, do I date? Like, not really. Like, do I get to spend that much time with my friends and my family? Not that much. You know, I'm, I'm at the gym more often than not. And, um, and people see like, oh, that's, it's so great that you get to do jujitsu for a living, but like getting to do jujitsu for a living, it means that you're hustling for a living. And like, you're always, always scrambling. You're never, you can never really, really relax. You always have to be like just on the move. Um, and the moment that you kind of like settle, settle too much or like you stop moving, then that's when like, oh man, you find yourself in trouble. So it's definitely not for, for everybody. Um, it could be for everybody if you have the heart for it. But if you don't and you just want something that's like, hey, I feel like I need a little bit more security and I don't want to have to, you know, you know, keep hustling and traveling and all this training and, and, um, and really go out there and be uncomfortable and make these conversations happen in which I can be paid for my skill set. Um, yeah, like just, you know, do it for a hobby. And that's fine, too. You know, everyone can enjoy jujitsu on different levels. Um, but to make it your living, it's, and you, you really, really got to like, got to commit to that and, and really own up to it because it's not going to be easy at all. Not by one, not by a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Christina, when you were on a couple of years ago, you talked about Kayo, uh, moving to the U S and you watched him, uh, it sounds like kind of what you're in, like push really hard as far as being the best instructor competing at that super high level. And, and it, not an easy lifestyle. I hear you talking about your lifestyle now, and it reminds me of the conversation we had when you were describing Kyle's lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's definitely a lot of like. I don't think I've I've I gotten to the point where I'll buy one Subway sandwich and separate <laughs> into three sandwiches and eat that all day. Um, um, but I mean, like, I I'm like, it's almost like I live out of my car. Like, you know, every single like Sunday, like I pack up my car and there's like twelve geese in the trunk, and then like I all the clothes I need for the week, and then whatever, you know, food provisions that I need. And then like, like everything's in my car and I'm bouncing from like place to place. Like during the week, I'm not sleeping in my own bed. Like I'm, you know, I'm sleeping on a couch, you know, in someone else's house and, and all just to make it easier for me to commute and make it to the gym and, and teach and train and, and, and really, really pursue what it is that I feel like I have purpose. I, I'm passionate about it. I have I have a purpose. I have 
and that purpose is not just to be good at jujitsu, but it's 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 to be able to be in a position in which I can um, empower other people because that's what jujitsu has done for me, and um, and that was passed down to me, you know, from my professors and their professors, you know, pass it down to them and them, you know, like and the line goes on. It's like people don't do, do jujitsu, you know, simply just to win things. People don't just do jujitsu. Uh, because they, you know, maybe they have like a high stress job and, and they want to blow off some steam. Like it's more than that. Like it's at the end of the day, jujitsu is all about feeling empowered, right? We, we talk about like the concept of, of having control, um, controlling the aspect of, of, um, of the game and the pace and the match and, and the, and the round and, the, and um, however you want to look at it. Um, but with that control comes empowerment, right? Like essentially we are the ones that are in control of our, of our fates. We're the ones that are in control of how the match or the round is going to go. Even when we lose, it's like, man, that person completely did whatever they wanted with you. But like, like we were empowered by the fact that, but I was able to fight back, but I had the ability, I had the skill set, or I had the knowledge to be able to acknowledge that I was in a bad position and I chose to try to fight out or if I couldn't fight, then I tapped and I, and I decided to keep going. Like, um, being able to be passionate about empowering people, um, that, that is definitely like my calling. And it just so happened that jujitsu was able to point me in that direction. Cause I, I really didn't know what it is that I wanted to do with my life until jujitsu came in. Yeah. And it, yeah. And it, it wasn't just to do jujitsu. <laughs> it's, 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 uh, it's, it's definitely, um, it has allowed me to, uh, connect with people in a way that again, I, I would not have been able to connect otherwise, um, due to like, anxieties and and um and all sort and all sorts of myriad of other like you know like lack of communication or inability to communicate you know um who i am uh, as a person and finding people who are like-minded and being surrounded by people who are like me when the majority like up until i found jujitsu i'd always been feeling like who the heck am i and like like why why am i capable of doing all these things but i have no place for to use them, to utilize these things. And, um, and Jiu-Jitsu was like, hey, you know, like, why don't you try it over here? And, and there it is. <laughs> yeah, it's, it sounds like Jiu-Jitsu is kind of the vehicle to help you reach your, your goals of helping people. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. Um, it's the most unexpected vehicle. It's kind of like, you know, it's like, like Back to the Future, you know, and we're thinking like Time Machine. <laughs> and I don't think anybody, I don't think Mario McFly expected that was going to be a freaking DeLorean, you know. <laughs> like, like no one expects that, that the Time Machine is going to be a, a car with the suicide doors, you know. Um, and, um, and it's funny is that that metaphor is, it's, it's true, like. We like jujitsu might have been the vehicle for me, and it, and it might be in a different vehicle. It could be uh, different vehicles for different people. Like it could be cooking for another person or dancing for another. But like, like, but once you find what it is that you like, you are like put in this world to do. It's really, really hard to get up to like step out, right? Because it's like, man, we're, like I, I hopped in. And then, like, I saw all these things, and it's like, man, this is an amazing journey. Like, I kind of want to keep going. And, um, and um, again, like, that vehicle is different for everybody. Um, I'm just glad that jiu-jitsu was a vehicle for me because I, I thought it was going to be dancing or some sort of art. Well, I guess jiu-jitsu is technically an art. It's a martial art. Um, but 
I definitely would not be thinking combat sports, not not a million light years, not until not until he came in. I was like, oh, you know, so there's more than there's more of this stuff than just beating people up. Oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's something deeper. Yeah, you talk about being very busy and and traveling a lot. Are you traveling to teach? Or are you traveling to train? Yeah, both. <laughs> okay, is there one that's a, like a lot more to do one or the other, or is it pretty balanced? Um, well, I live an hour away from the gym, so there's like the hour, like to and from the gym is like an hour back and forth. I used to commute one hour to the gym and one hour home every single day, um, and then during the week now, like I said, I sleep on a couch um, with some close family friends. They're pretty much like my family. It's really weird calling them friends, but. Um, they are pretty much like my family, and they're like 30 minutes away. So instead of having to do like the commute like two hours in one day, then it's only one hour of commuting in one day. Um, and then, um, of course, there's always traveling for seminars, whether it's, you know, out of state or out of the country. Um, like after Worlds, I'll be, you know, hitting up states like Tennessee, and then um, I'll be going to Asia again and, be you know, hopefully Japan, possibly Singapore for sure. Um Malaysia and Taiwan, possibly hit up Hong Kong again. Like, um, you know, uh, international traveling was again also something I didn't think I would be doing in my lifetime as much as I am. And and now like my passport's like almost full up, and it's like wow, <laughs> this is this is crazy. You know, like almost time. You know, actually, I think I just renewed it. So, you know, like um, like man, I I would never thought that I would like have a full passport. You know, and and now I do and. And, um, again, like getting to experience cultures and, and, um, like in a way that with, you know what? And two, like jujitsu is also language. Like I get to experience other, like, uh, other cultures and I only, I am only able to speak like two languages, one English and the second being jujitsu. Okay. Third being food. Third is another <laughs> language I can also speak really, really well in. Um, and so it's like, man, like I, I literally can go anywhere, um, with jujitsu, um, for as long as like, you know, I really believe in it and I really believe in myself. Um, but yeah, so uh, teaching and, 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 and training in San Jose with Kayo, like that's usually the biggest commute. Um, sometimes I can teach closer to home, you know, like at my, my friend by, uh, Pangolinan, um, he's like, he's one of my best friends and I like to, um, like stop in and, and train and every now and then when he's out of town, I'll cover classes and that's, you know, close to my hometown. Um, or I can fill in at other affiliate schools who are all like relevantly close in the Bay area. Um, but the biggest one that like on a daily basis, that'd be San Jose, which is, you know, it's a long drive. It's not the pretty, it's not like the, the prettiest or the most like entertaining drive either. And there's always, always traffic. So, um, it helps that I am at the gym all day long and so then I, you know, for the most part, I missed the majority of the traffic. But, you know, that's kind of like, yeah, you're at the gym all day long. And then you have to find other ways to be productive. Like, you used to have to, like, bounce from from gym to gym to gym, like, commuting all the time to different schools. And now that I can just be here in San Jose, it's great. Christina, you mentioned anxiety. I'm curious just to learn from you how jujitsu has affected that 
or uh, different moods. Um, you know, you're very busy, but your busyness, a lot of that comes from jujitsu. I wonder if it, if it's like give and take, like sometimes you get on the mat and you feel really good getting off the mat. And sometimes a lot of your anxiety, stress, or, uh, moods you don't want to have are coming from jujitsu. I'm just curious to kind of hear you talk about that. Oh yeah. Well, um, I've been struggling with anxiety and depression since, um, since a young age, um, it wasn't until I was in my late teens where I was actually diagnosed with it and um, was able to see a doctor and receive medication and treatment. Um, I no longer am on medication or I'm seeing, um, receiving therapy um, like from, from a medical doctor. Um, but I had, you know, lived pretty much my entire life dealing with it and not knowing what it was and not knowing like not having the proper tools to handle it um and then you pair that with um with uh traumatic life experiences um and that you know doesn't doesn't help either and um for a long time i i've really just been lost um i am to this day i'm actually still surprised that i am alive <laughs> um because if um if it wasn't for just out of pure defiance and willpower and then eventually having jujitsu coming in, like I should be dead. Um, I have, I had, um, attempted, you know, suicide three times in my, in my, in my lifetime. And, and majority of those were when I was in my teenage years, um, particularly in high school. And, um, and and every and every now and then I still have to deal with um, suicidal thoughts, which you know is is very very difficult. Um, but one of the main things that um, has helped, like with jujitsu being added to my life, is that um, you know that um, even like I mentioned like being empowered, but it allows me to work in a way that's very very true to myself. And, um, and it keeps, keeps your mind active in a way that like, you know, I want to say you don't have time to think about being depressed or having time to think about being anxious. Um, because a lot of those times, those things are just always, always there. But when it comes down to like when you're rolling, um, and when you're hyper-focused into that moment, it's like, man, like I just have to focus on my breathing, like, how's my heart rate? Like, okay, like, you're so, like, in the present um, that jujitsu just becomes very therapeutic, right? Um, if, we, if we were to break down um, for those, like, who don't really understand depression, because sometimes it's really, really, really hard to explain depression and anxiety, um, like, you know, those mental illnesses to, to people who, who don't experience them. Like, oh, like, why can't you just think happy thoughts? Why can't you just be positive or just smile? You know, or you should exercise like, you know, I am obviously my job is to exercise and do jujitsu and you still have depression. You still have anxiety. Um, if you can think that like depression is kind of like when you're constantly stuck in the past and anxiety is when you're constantly stuck in the future. Right. And it's like either it's like too slow or too fast. You know, this is of course, this is like um this is like the simplest way that I can, I can explain it. Um, and, um, when you're forced to be in the present, 
those those two extremes no longer exist. Um, at least for the time being, for the time that you're on the mat, like, you know, and, and every now and then, like, you know, like you'll be, you're learning the technique and then sometimes you'll feel like the depression is just really, really, really strong. Right. Um, and, and, and you'll like, you'll sit back, like the always hardest part, like with depression, sometimes the hardest part, it'll just be like getting out of bed. Right. Um, but then, then you think of things like, oh, well, you know, this person is really looking forward to me being there today. Or I promised this person that I was going to work on this position with them. Or these people are really depending on me to be there. And it makes it a little bit easier to put to put depression to the side, you know, and, and be like, all right, like, I really feel like I have, like, a ton of weight on my shoulders right now. Like, I, I literally cannot get out of bed. But I'm going to try. Because you... you, you it just essentially gives you a goal. It, it gives you something to 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 strive for. I'm like, all right. So then, okay. So now I got out of bed. Now the next step is like, okay, I need to leave my room, right? And then every single step that you you take towards, you know, getting to the gym, that whole process can be really, really, really painful for someone who has depression. I know I've had days like that where I literally cannot, like, I can't get up, and um, but somehow I just find a way to power through because. I have that purpose. Like, I know that, like, you know what? Like, I really need to make it to jujitsu. I, I, you know, like, I really, I really need to make it today. And, um, and, and just that alone can be enough for me to, like, right? I can hold on just a little bit longer. I can hold on just a little bit longer. I can hold on just a little bit longer. Because sometimes the depressive states last really, really long time. Sometimes, like, they hit really, really hard, but they don't always last forever, you know? Like, they just, you know, like, they kind of come in, they hit really, really hard, and then and then you can kind of move forward again. And the same thing with anxiety. Like sometimes it's like it's so overwhelming to be around people, or you know, there's just too much energy, there's too much going on. And I and I've had um, a couple panic attacks at at the gym. You know, sometimes things get really, really overwhelming, but somehow jujitsu added into that evens it all out. Like. You know, again, like you're you're so stressed out and you're so panicked about all the what ifs or what these things that could happen or are happening around you, and you literally have no control over them. And then jujitsu again comes comes in, so like, hey, you have control of something, and that that just makes it kind of easier um, for you to like again get back to center and be like, all right, like things, I'm not as out of control, like. Okay, so these things are going on in my life right now, and and it and it's really really causing me to panic because I I, I feel like I'm spinning out. Um, but if I can at least have this one grip, then then maybe maybe I can hold on a little bit longer. Maybe I'm not so spinning out of out of control so badly. Um, I would say that like more often than not, jujitsu just allows me to be me and to be free. Like it feels like breathing when, when there's all these things I, I, I have, I worry about or all these things that are just kind of working against me. Um, jujitsu is like the one thing that's just kind of like, all right, I can have this, like this constant. Um, there's only been a couple times where jujitsu wasn't the answer where it was like, it's too overwhelming to be, to be at the gym, you know? And like, I really, really, really have to resign to like take care of myself and I really need to stay in bed or I really need to stay like 
stay inside the house and not go out. And those days are completely fine. You know, like not every single day can be a win. Um, but just having, having something to look forward to and having, being able to have goals and be able to stay motivated in which, you know, in most cases or on a day to day, it feels like your lost cause or it feels like you're helpless. Um, that could be like the difference between you making it through another day or a day where it's just like, man, like you feel like you're just really, really stuck and beyond help. You know, um, the community is so important and that's another aspect of jujitsu that, um, that really, really does help because more often than not, um, when someone is suffering from either anxiety or depression, they are also very isolated. Um, and they feel like they're alone. And, um, and, and because of that, we tend to isolate ourselves even more. And so, again, having a purpose and having a community, um, I'd say those are like the number, the, the top two things that jiu-jitsu offers. I mean, of course, there's the physical aspect. Yes, you get the endorphins. You, you, you get to have like that, that chemical like, release and, and the physical strain on your body, which helps, um, helps deal with like the physical pains of anxiety and depression. But community and purpose and having a goal and, and, and having something to look forward to or have something that can um, give you a sense of control, um, those, those factors alone um, are life-changing. Well, thank you, Christina, uh, for sharing that. I don't think I've ever had uh, anybody share an experience like this on the, on the show yet. And, and we hear people talk about depression or suicidal thoughts, but to share uh, your personal story uh, I, I think that's a, that's a whole different thing, and I, and I would imagine that's very difficult to do, but also important. So uh, yeah. thank you for that. Um, I'm definitely not qualified to speak on these issues. I, I really, um, <laughs> I, I, I'm quickly out of my element, you know, uh, white belt, no stripes. But I, I do know it's a very important topic. Thinking about this and thinking about listeners out there, if somebody is having a hard time, what kind of thing would you say or, or what kind of uh, advice would you have? Or is it more of like someone needs to like listen to them? Uh, what do you have to offer those people? Yeah. Um, reach out. I, again, like the number one, um, like the number one, I, I don't say killer, but the, the number one thing that really, really gets people is the isolation factor of depression and anxiety, like feeling isolated, feeling that we're alone and feeling like we are, like things with depression and anxiety too, um, it makes us believe that we are unworthy of love and that we are unworthy um, of, of, of attention. Uh, we also fear that asking for help would be a cry for attention, like, oh, you know. And, and I've heard all of this when I, when I was younger, like when I was really, really in, in a dark place and asking for help and, you know, not having the right people to support you is, is, is really difficult because it's like, oh, you're just doing it for attention or, you know, you don't really feel this or that. And it's like not feeling validated. And, um, and the moment that we are isolated and alone, that's the scariest. And that's when you don't know if you're going to see another day. And, um, I, you know, I, I don't want to trigger anything with anybody, but like, this is, this, this is the truth. Like, um, it's always the hardest when we feel like, like we're all alone and we're drowning and there's no lifesaver around. And, um, 
So the number one thing that I would say for anyone who is struggling with anxiety or depression, especially with suicidal thoughts, is reach out to someone, to anybody, receive treatment. There is nothing wrong with receiving treatment. If you need to be medicated, receive medication. Um, if your healthcare allows for you to have um, treatment for mental illnesses, for mental health, do it. Because it's just like if you had a broken bone or if you had... If you're sick in any other way, you would go to the doctor and you're like, I need surgery or I need this medication. Like if you had diabetes, you would say, I need my insulin, right? Like if you had cancer, you wouldn't just be like, well, I'm just going to have these warm, positive thoughts and it'll go away. Like, no, it doesn't work like that. You need help, right? And a lot of times like anxiety and depression, there's a lot of physical pain that comes along with that. Right. There's the weight loss. There's the headaches. You know, um, just a couple weeks ago, um, I was in training and um, I was only able to get halfway through comp training before I had a panic attack. I had to take myself off the mat. Um, I left the gym. I had to go home. I spent, you know, that day, the rest of the day at home. And then I spent the following day just recovering and and decompressing. And I'm like, all right, tomorrow I'm going to go back to the gym and I'm going to get back on it. And then, you know, 3 a.m. In, in the morning, I had intense, intense um, um, stomach pains caused by anxiety and stress, you know, and like I couldn't move until 4 p.m. later that day because the, the stomach pains were so, so painful. And, and, and people don't realize that mental pain manifests physically. Um, and so... If you're not getting help, like you're like, like, I do you're only hurting yourself, but it's like, but like you are depriving yourself, you're depriving yourself of, of the opportunity to become well. And, 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 um, and it, it, it is hard sometimes because it's so easy to be like, well, you know, a lot of times when, when people are contemplating suicide, it isn't because they want to be dead. It's because they just don't want to exist and they don't want to exist because they don't want to feel pain anymore. And a lot of reasons why we don't want to feel pain anymore is because we just feel like no one sees us. You feel invisible because your pain is not physical, is not visible, right? The pain is on the inside. No one can see it. And so it's hard for people to believe that it's actually there. Um, so being able to communicate, reach out to people, find a community of people um, like in jujitsu. Um, my, my, my really, really good friend, Erin Hurley, uh, this is, is a really great example of this. She started the campaign Submit the Stigma, um, and she brought this together after um, her father had committed suicide. And, and, she, and she also struggles uh, with, with um, mental, health, mental health issues. And, um, and she felt like, you know what, I need to do something about this. And um, and jiu-jitsu was the community for her as well, where she met other like-minded people and other people who had the same prop, like same, same issues and, uh, as her. And we were able to find this solidarity. And, and, um, and once you, we start illuminating that light onto the subject that's just so shrouded in like darkness and people just don't want to talk about it. I know that's how it was for me when I was growing up. Like, oh, like you don't really have a problem. You don't want to talk about being depressed. You don't want to make everybody else sad. Just think of happy things, right? Like it was like this plague, like you couldn't talk about it. Um, 
and then but being stuck with with that pain and not being able to verbalize it it, that's it's like a different type of cancer. It just it just slowly grows and festers and it kills you from the inside until like one day you just can't take it anymore. When really all you needed to do was just express it out. Um, I don't say all you need to do because it's not that simple. Sometimes the hardest thing to do is is to reach out. Quite honestly, um, and 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 I find that has been easier for me to speak on my experiences um, with with my mental health issues um, because I. I've realized that I've been hurting for so long. And then once I was able to talk about it, that was kind of like, I got to take my power back. I got to have control over it. So instead of depression, and anxiety, controlling me, I got to be able to regulate in a little bit because I didn't let it, um, dictate my life. Of course, there's some days where it's, it's just way stronger than me. And, and that can't be helped sometimes. Um, but if you are in a position to just, even just talk about your pain openly, Regardless of who's listening, somebody else is going to hear it. And they're like, you know what? That's me too. Thank you for talking about that. And like, and then now that person will be feeling a little bit like more confident to speak out. And then, then that person can start talking and then somebody else might hear it. And then somebody else might hear it. And then somebody else might hear it. Um, community is so huge. Um, and the jujitsu community in general, like, I feel like there's a lot of us who suffer um, who suffer from, from mental health issues, and we use jujitsu for the same reasons um, because it it makes us feel good and because it helps alleviate the pains of anxiety and depression, and it gives us the ability to connect with other people, and so that we're not alone. And we find that bond, and we find that solidarity, and we find that strength, so that we're not doing it by ourselves. Like when you when you when you go out to compete, of course you're competing by yourself. There's it's just you and your opponent. But on the process to getting there, you have a team, you have a family, you have a whole school behind you, and they help get you there. And that's the same thing with with um, with dealing with anxiety and depression. It's like when you go out on your day-to-day basis, you're doing it all by yourself. But knowing that you have people who support you and, like, they see you, like, they validate that your pain is real and they don't ignore it. And they look at you and they acknowledge you and they still embrace and love you regardless. That is probably one of the best feelings to have and one of the best allies to have um, when you have when you suffer from from mental uh, mental illnesses like depression and anxiety. Um, straight up, just you, you have you can't we can't do it alone, and you have to know that you're not alone. Um, and then, of course, all the other steps: reach out find counseling, therapist if you need it, medication if you need it. There's nothing wrong with asking for help. We all need help one way, shape, or form or another. Um, just don't be afraid to ask for it. Yeah, it's, it sounds like jujitsu has several things going for it to help, uh, you know, distract you from your day, get you exercise, where, which changes some of your body chemistry, and the social aspect. The thing about getting professional help if if you go into jujitsu and you tell your friends or whoever's there, yeah, I'm having today's a hard day. You know, I I almost didn't want to get out of bed. I'm, I'm you know this is going on. I don't know what you tell them. You tell a bit about what's happening. They're not professionals. Yeah, generally, no. maybe one or two here or there, but you're you're telling just a person, and so you don't really know how they're going to react. They might shrug it off. They might tell you just to, hey, cheer up. You know, don't be so, so you know, like you said, hey, just change your mood or don't bring everybody else down. So there's a little bit of a risk when you when you just 
share that, but it's 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 good to try, I think. But when you go yeah. to professional, they know what to say. They they've heard this before. They've been here before. It's like trying to learn jujitsu with your neighbor who also doesn't know yeah. jujitsu, and, and you can learn a little bit and bump around and, and have a good time, or you can go to professional. And you could get some work done, and you could feel better about it. And exactly, I think there's room for both. I think you need. It, yes. the example is not perfect because you do need their friends that 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 are just normal people that not, not normal people. That's probably what I'm saying, but they're just average people, and they don't really fully understand it. But they they are open to listening, and they're they're nice about it, and, and they they love you, and they care about you. Those people are very important in your life, but they're not the same as a qualified professional that will help you uh, get through your troubles. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like um, during the time, like and things too. It's like it's, sometimes it's it's like um, it's it's hit or miss. Like finding the right therapist, finding the right medication. Like all of it is really, really, really stressful, and and um, and it, and it. Um, and it can be hard, you know. A lot of times, people don't want to go through the process of it just because of like, man, like I, I want to go. I don't want to. I don't want to tell people that I'm doing therapy, or I don't want to tell people that I'm on medication. You know, again, like there's the stigma behind it that's like, oh, we can't talk about it. It's like, oh, for shame, you know, feeling shamed. Um, but um, but your that your analogy is is correct. It's kind of like. You know, you could try and talk with a whole bunch of other white belts and try to learn some moves with, like, just other white belts. And, you, you know, it's kind of fun. Like, you have, like, your friends, and that's cool and everything like that, but it's not going to be the same as learning from a black belt. Um, and, again, like, not every black belt, though, is going to be the right instructor for you, right? Yeah. You know, some, not, every, not every black belt is going to be, like, teaching the way that you like to be, that you like to learn, or maybe their style isn't your style. So, it's like finding finding the right place, finding the right again and the right doses, the right medications. Like it's it's a lot of work, and a lot of people, a lot of times, they don't want to do it. Um, I know, like I personally, like um, I don't, I'm not um, medicated anymore, and I don't receive therapy anymore. Um, but I, I am always aware that if I feel like things are really getting out of control, and like okay, this is to the point where it's really debilitating. Like I can't function. I can't. I can't even go to jujitsu. I can't. I'm. I'm. I'm debilitated. Like then, that's the time. Like I am. I'm fully aware in my head that like okay, now's the time that I need to go and seek professional help. Um, and and it's sometimes it's just really hard to get to that point. Um, but hopefully, like again, the first step is just reaching out with like people that you really trust and that that you that you love and that you, people that you know that care for you, and sharing with them or even finding people who have like like who have similar stories or similar issues, it starts off with that. And then hopefully you're hoping that like the encouragement will come in because again, it's like I could talk to someone and be like, Oh yeah, I've been depressed before. And it's like, okay, it's not about just being like depressed once. This is like living with depression. And there is a difference, you know, sometimes you can have situational depression or you can have even like um, environmental or seasonal depression. You know, it's really common during the winter times when there's not enough sun, Okay, you know, um, but when we're talking about like when you actually like, like this is like a thing that you like, it's like, doesn't matter like what the weather or, um, or, um, because, um, I, I will say like too, that there are things that can affect, can affect the severity of, of my depression. Like weather can affect the, the severity of it. Um, diet can also affect the severity. You know, like there's certain, there's certain things that I stay away from 
so that it won't trigger panic attacks. Like I stay away from coffee. Um, I stay away from like energy drinks and things like that, you know, like, um, like learning, learning what are your triggers and, and, um, you know, sometimes you know what they are and sometimes you have no idea what they are. Um, it's, it's like, you really have to be cognizant and you have to really like, just don't lie to yourself, you know? Um, and hopefully again, like once, once you start opening up to like family members, then it's like, you hope that someone will encourage you that like, Hey, you know, I know it's like really hard and, you know, sometimes like it can be very difficult, but maybe you might want to consider, you know, professional help. And again, like even, even in jujitsu, even people here who like get injured, like they like roll their ankle and they sprain it. Like people will walk around with a busted ankle or a busted knee and they will refuse to see a doctor. <laughs> right. And it's the same way. I, I, I almost say the same way, but we say it in a kind of comical way, but like sometimes we are really, really stubborn. Yeah. And it takes for us to feel like an actual, like the pain to the point where it's like, I can't function for us to be like, okay, I, I, I will, I'll get help. Like I'll see the doctor, you know, I'll, I'll see a therapist. Like I'll, I'll receive treatment because we are stubborn and we are hardheaded and we don't want to believe that we are in as much pain as we really are. Like we sometimes are like, Oh, maybe I'm just like, exaggerating or maybe I'm being a baby about it or I just need to toughen up. And, um, it's not always like that, you know? Um, our, our our biggest our biggest ally and our biggest enemy is ourselves. So um, we can either allow us ourselves to get help, or we can also deny ourselves help. Um, and and ultimately, at the end of the day, that is our own choice to make. But the people that we surround ourselves with, they can influence that. And so again, when you find a really good community and um, that allows you to feel again validated and feels like you're part of something makes it a little bit easier to choose to help yourself as opposed to not help yourself yeah. because you want to keep contributing, right? You want to keep feeling important. You want to keep feeling like I belong to this place and, and it just gives you something to fight for. You said it's, it's your own choice to make if you want to get, get help. Yes. Yeah. To an extent, if, if you're feeling like you want to hurt yourself, uh, really it's out of your, it's really out of your hands at that point in time and you need, it shouldn't be a choice anymore. You need to get help. And, yes, yes, and if absolutely. it's your friend that's saying that to themselves, no, screw it. I don't want to call and get help, but I do want to hurt myself. It's not their choice anymore. You need to go ahead and call no. 911 and get them some help right away. Uh, yes. There's, there's like, you can't let, if you know about it, you can't let somebody hurt themselves because it's their choice. They need, yeah. they're not, they're not thinking the way that they should be and they need that help. Uh, they might be mad at you now and later, but they'll eventually. Um, at least you'll be you'll be able to know that you did the right thing by helping that person yeah. out. Um, I've had to, I've had to talk a few people down, you know, and it, and it's always hard, but it's like there's always like that moment where it's like, whoa, you know, like I, I I've had some where it's like I didn't realize that my life mattered so much to you, or I didn't realize that like I could have this effect, or I didn't, you know, like for some reasons like at some point it's like they reach this point of clarity and they're just like, like, I don't want to die. Like, I, I just, I just don't want to feel this pain, you know? And, and, um, you know, it, it is, it is really scary and it's really hard. And it's heartbreaking too, because it's like, like you imagine, like I feel it from, from like, from also feeling it too. So like, I know the pain, but can you imagine like having someone who has no experience with it and seeing it? And it's just like, what do I do? What do I do? You know? And, 
Um, and, it, and it can be really, really hard um, for, for those who don't understand. Um, but empathy and compassion are going to be like the biggest, biggest allies in, in this case. Like put yourself in that person's shoes and then like feel that pain and then feel the need to want to alleviate that pain, you know, like, wh- like because we are human and to like cut yourself off of those of those emotions and those abilities like to, to feel those things it's like you're cutting you're kind of cutting yourself off from your own heart and you're cutting yourself off from like your connection to other people um and yeah if if you are in a position to help help i mean like even if it's just a phone call sometimes all it needs is a phone call sometimes all it needs is just again saying hi or acknowledging a person like like, we really don't know the impact that we have on other people until a person says, like, hey, thank you, you know, because such a- this action that you did caused this reaction for me, and now I'm still here, you know? Just be, just be good people. <laughs> just don't be an asshole. Just be kind. And I think the world would be so much, so much better place if we just practice a little bit more empathy, a little bit more compassion, and lots of communication. Um, and then, um, and then I guess we kind of go from there. But um, I feel like, yeah, it's it's like it's, as good human beings, we should be we'll always be able to help when we can. Yeah. If we're able to, it's not. I'm not, I'm not gonna try and put like responsibility on everyone. Like, oh, you need to do this, or you're a shitty person. Like, no, not like that at all. But it's like, like if you if you were that person, it's like, wouldn't you want someone to help you? Or like, what would, what would you do if it was like? someone that you really really cared about and it wasn't some stranger i just always just imagine that things from there and like uh, the always hard thing too is like oh like when something tragic does happen it's like oh it's my fault i should have would have could have you know and and we always feel like we always feel like those regrets too you know i've I, i've had friends who have committed suicide and then like there's that powerlessness and feeling like man like i wish there was something i could have done you know and or like man i like i didn't know you know, or, or like I had an idea, like maybe, but I wasn't really quite sure, you know, like, and, and, and then that's when you feel like, oh, wow, like they, they must've been in a lot of pain. Um, and then, um, but not just like we, we, we can't carry that kind of guilt either, you know, like have like, um, like a balance of like, okay, we're going to, you know, have, be responsible when you can, but like when it's completely out of your hands, like knowing that you were able you did what you could while you could or like knowing that you at least you know you at least tried that sometimes that's just enough you know yeah and going back to the i'm not a professional person at this but i could easily say something that is the wrong thing my friend could say hey i'm I'm feeling down i i don't want to get out of the house i don't left the house for two weeks or whatever and then the response might be, well, let's go get a beer. Well, that's the problem is the beer or, you know, like <laughs> yeah. not being like, I guess what I'm trying to say, sometimes people that actually care about you will say the totally wrong thing and yeah. not mean it to be bad, but it hurts way worse sometimes when like, oh, they don't get it at all. And yeah, and just, just to, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I just think there's so much value in having the professional hear you and then also not taking it try not to take it the wrong way when somebody that you know loves you hurts you with something that that just sets with you wrong yeah yeah 
um, really important to communicate. Like I, I have, I have this problem with, um, with my mom in particular, like I love my mom. I know my mom loves me, but she doesn't understand depression. She doesn't understand anxiety. And sometimes she'll say these things and it's like, man, like you just don't get it. But like I have, I have, I've like over the years, I've had to practice a certain amount of like forgiveness. And I've also had to like make due diligence of like trying my best to explain and educate her on what it is that I am going through. I'd say nowadays it's a lot better than it has been, you know, um, but it's still difficult. But like, um, we do have a responsibility again, like part of, part of asking for help. Um, and, and part of my question is also teaching those that we want to help us. Like you have to teach them how to help, you know, like sometimes it's like, I, I was like, I don't like, I'm not some problem that I need for you to fix. Like I, sometimes when I'm, when I'm venting or when I'm telling you, like, this is the pain that I'm having, I'm not asking you to fix me. I'm not asking you to do anything other than just to be there for me, you know? And, and, um, and, and sometimes like, we think it in our head and sometimes we think, oh, well, they should just know that. Like they don't. And so we also need to be very transparent. This is like the hard part because like we want to hide and we want to act like we don't need help and, and we don't, we don't want to talk about it. But like, and then when we do start talking about it, it's like, well, well, I only want to talk about these certain things. It's like, no, like you really have to let people understand. It's kind of like, you know, you go to a party and like, you know, that like you're allergic to certain foods and then like, you know, you go and then, um, and you don't tell anyone that you're allergic to these foods, you know, like, like, Hey, you know, like give us, give us a heads up or like, let us, let us know, like, help me help you. Like, yeah. let us know what we can do, you know? So always having the, the, the lines of communication, um, available. Um, again, yeah, professional help always great, but if you can enable the people around you, um, uh, with tools to help you, like I've had to, I've had to, um, explain to people like here this is what you need to, this is what I need for you to do like when I have a panic attack like you know like I, I, you know or, or it's kind of like if, if like if you have seizures or again if you have like an allergic reaction to something it's like you need to tell the people around you that you care about like this is what you need to do in case of emergency you know yeah. like um if and, I miss class I'm, for a week so yeah. you need to call me or yeah. you know if I miss class I'm always there Tuesday I'm not there text me and see see what's up maybe I have flat tire maybe I haven't left the house all day yeah, yeah. Help. Like, just help me help you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and yeah. they want to. And like you said, it sometimes it's hard that people just don't get it. And I think it's it's it's. I'm trying to see and understand, but I don't get it either a lot of times because I don't. I've never had to deal with that. And and you you say talk about you know. I just want you to listen to the, to the problem. I think sometimes I get that with my wife. Like she'll she'll come home from from a hard day at work. And she'll be complaining about this and complaining about that. And, and I, uh, I'm much better than it used to be, but I'll come at her with a, like a solution. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do this, and then we'll do this, and the problem will be fixed after this. And no, she wants to tell me that she had a crappy day. That's all she wants to do is just say, my day sucked. And, <laughs> and she doesn't need a, me to help her with a solution. She just wants to tell somebody that cares about her that she had a rough day. And, and her telling me, hey, hey, don't solve my problem. It's it's not the problem is I had a bad day and I want to tell somebody about that and that's the solution to my problem right now and so by her telling me this 
I'm not trying to annoy her by trying to solve these problems that she doesn't want me to try to fix. It's up to her to fix these problems. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not like she's got a lot of problems. But, but what I, I know when she's complaining about her day, it's better for me just to listen to her day and to say, that does suck. That sounds like it, like it was a tough day. And yeah. instead of saying, why didn't you do this? Or how about next time do this instead? That, that doesn't help her. Exactly. Yeah. It's just the validation of the pain. Like, yeah. can you valid, like validate my feelings, validate that, like, like, this is what I'm feeling. Can you just validate it? And then, so I like, and I just don't want to be alone and feeling shitty. You yeah. know, like I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily need a fix. I just need, I just need for you to listen and just know that like, Hey, like at the end of the day, like I'm telling you because I love you. And like, you're the person that I want most to hear about what has happened. Yeah. You know, I don't expect for you to do anything else other than like, like, if you want that person to do something, like, sometimes it'll be easier. Like, this is what I need. Like, can you, like, can you give me a massage? Like, I had a bad day. Or can you, can you do this, you know? Like, and, and you know, that as far as, like, relationships go. But sometimes it's just, like, man, you just want to vent, like, again, because you want the pain to be seen because the pain is, is, is invisible. People can't see it. And, and um, we feel like if it's out there and we can see it and we can talk about it, then then it's real and it's and it's not, like, oh, it's not like the boogeyman or it's not like the monster under the bed, right? It's like, yeah. oh, like you can actually like put the flashlight there. Like, you know, I don't see it's like it's not there, but like, can, can we, can you, can you just, you know, um, like just tell me that like, I'm not crazy, you yeah. know? And, 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 and just tell me that like, Hey, what I'm like, you know, what you're feeling like, you know, like I don't say it's completely normal. Like, cause normal is such a, I, I kind of, I, I don't like saying like, oh, it's normal, it's normal, normal, but like, it's understandable. Yeah. You know, um, I feel like is the better, is the better, better term to say like, oh, it's, under- it's understandable. It's understandable. Christina, yeah. you talked about like different elements and uh, different things that could make uh, this kind of happen. I think you mentioned coffee and, and certain things that uh, will um, trigger these feelings. Um, does competing causes more stress and anxiety and and is that could that be somewhat of an element to this um it can be for certain people for me it's not okay um for me um and and i'd say like like having the the stresses of training for for competition or having having a hyper focus that actually keeps you pretty level um the times i have had panic attacks at at um at tournaments i've had it where it was basically like i had one where it's because like i had a lot of outside things going on in my life a lot of like outside stressors and then plus like the heavy hard dieting like i wasn't mentally or physically like i should not have been competing that day but like i wanted to try and make it happen you know um but i wouldn't necessarily say that competition has been a trigger i'd say other things have been where it's like maybe it's like a physical thing like i've had it where i um i was sick right and i'm training really really hard and then um i'm trying to breathe and then i can't breathe and now i'm panicking because i can't breathe you know and it wasn't necessarily like oh i'm, I'm worried about like the training or the competing or the match or the rounds like no, I'm freaking out because I can't breathe. Like, I feel like I'm dying, you know? And then, and then like, it's like the snowball effect. And, and then, um, and all of a sudden, like you're in just full blown panic mode because you think you're going to die. You know, um, 
I can't say that that's the same for everybody else because there are some people where it's like there's so much like pressure that um, like put on the shoulders of, of competing like um, and a lot of that is like outside outside stressors like oh um, like for example I had one that I just posted about on my Instagram today where um, I have this int- I used to have uh, this intense fear of failure I'm not saying I don't have it anymore but that fear has definitely been um, made into a kitten size as, a, as opposed to like this really big monster right um, and um, like oh if I don't do well then, um, then people aren't going to love me. And I'm, and I like, who's going to want to learn from me? Who's going to want to follow me? Who's going to want to, who's going to be my friend? Who's going to want to train with me? I'm, you know, and then those thoughts start coming in. It's not necessarily the jujitsu or the, the, the competition or, um, or the competing that's, that's causing anxiety. It's the outside stuff that we're bringing into the actual competition that we put on the value of competition. If that makes sense. Um, and then I'm like, oh, now like now you have a panic attack because it's like I failed everybody, you know. Um, but it, it's not, um, at least in my experience, it wasn't because of the jujitsu. It was because of the the value that I was putting on my personal self, like me as a person. Yeah. Um, ha- having it to be dependent on what I was doing as an athlete. Um, and so I I feel like it's really really important for those who do feel like every single time that they're competing, they feel like to the point that they're going to like, I'm so anxious. Like I'm going to have a panic attack or I'm panicking. Um, I feel like if you can separate who you are as an athlete and who you are as a person and realize that what you do as an athlete has like pretty much has no effect on who is you, who you are like as your value as a person, who you are like before you step on the mat and who you are after you step, like when you step off the mat, that's the same person. And then what you do on the mat, that's just like the in-between, but like no one's going to stop being your friend. No one's going to kick you out of the family. No one's going to kick you out of the gym. No one's going to like, you know, um, and if they are, then you're, you might be surrounded by some shitty people. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, if you could just keep the jujitsu to the jujitsu and you as a person to just use as a person, you know, for that moment, be, for that moment in time, then, um, then I feel like then you can find like a happy little balance. Yeah. And of course there's a times where like they coincide, they, they co- uh, coincide with each other, you know, like, because those two, like they live in the same world. Like you are the same person, like that is a part of you, but it's not all that you have to offer as a person, you know? And, um, and, and then everything else that's going on in your life, you don't want to bring onto the mat, right? You want to, you want to have, you want to keep that zone like your sanctuary, and the same, and same thing too. You can't necessarily—I won't say you can't bring jujitsu onto your regular life. I mean, you want to use it for self-defense, or you know, you want to like, hey, hey, family members are like, hey, what's that karate stuff that you're doing? You know, like, all right, let me show you what jujitsu really is. You know, um, but for the most part, it's like you kind of like, you know, like compartmentalize, you know, a little bit, um, and that makes it a little bit easier. Um, like, and um, and then being aware, being aware of what it is like, like, again, everyone has different triggers and, and different thoughts that like can really snowball and like take you to a really like bad place. And it's understanding like when you get those thoughts and then learning the way to like reset yourself. I'm like, okay, that's, that's, that's not going to help me right now. And that's like another subject that's like, that's all complete like mental training, um, um, and understanding, um, like the thought process of like your own personal thought process, what, what to do, how to handle situations when you're actually competing, you know, so that everything is manageable, right? Instead of like, it's like this big thing 
right? It's kind of like breaking it down to smaller parts so that it's easier to, to digest. Um, and then that's sort of like, it's, you know, you don't have um, the, the anxiety or the stress as much. Um, I personally am always nervous when I compete, you know, and, um, but I don't let it paralyze me. I, I kind of use it to power me through. Um, and, I, and, and I'm able to do that because I admit to myself that I am nervous. I'm like, okay, I am nervous, but that's okay. Like, I'm supposed to be nervous. I'm yeah. competing, you know? Like, the, the, the moment that you deny that you're feeling what you're feeling, that's when it becomes very, very hard. You know, like, don't feel that. Don't feel, don't feel nervous. Don't feel anxious. Like, well, it's impossible. You're supposed to feel that way. You're about to, you're about to go out there, put your body on the line, and be in front of a whole bunch of people in, in a, in a high-stress environment. But you can't, like, you, you can't, like, like block that. Like, oh, my God. You, like, you kind of have to embrace, embrace that kind of chaos and let it be part of you. Um, just for that moment in time, it's kind of like just holding on to lightning for a little bit. <laughs> you just don't electrocute yourself, you know. You just hold on to a little bit of power, and then and then you let go, and then and then and then once you let go, then it's done, you know. And then um, you don't have to like let it keep like following you like for the rest of the day. Um, like there's always healthy amounts of stress. There's always healthy amounts. Like I I would not do well in life without any without any pressure in my life, without any stress. I I function the best when I have um, some sort of stress um, or pressure put on me. Um, anxiety and depression is just like another thing. Again, like I think maybe I've just become defiant over the years, um, but some of my 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 um, my biggest successes and 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 they've they've all come from like the lowest points, you know, and like from struggling. Um, and so there's something to be appreciated in, in that, where um, you know struggle isn't all that bad. You know, struggle is necessary and pain is, is sometimes a little necessary. And for as long as you're aware of it and you're and you're and you're aware of in what way it can be used to help you grow as a person um, as opposed to a way to hinder you from growing yeah one of the the stresses I think that some people feel you know you're running a a school and you want to compete and think that that's going to have a large impact on the school and it might have some impact but um, most of the students are there because of who you are, not because of the accomplishments you've you've made. They're there because of how you make them feel, how how the quality of instructor you are. There's there's plenty of really good jujitsu athletes who can't teach how to tie your shoes, like, and they would belittle you as you tried it, and, and you wouldn't feel good about it, and you wouldn't want to go to that school. Your students are there, and they're going to be there when you're done competing. Uh, they're going to be there when you have a bad day of competing, and and they're I think more or less they're, they're they're rooting for you, but the relationship isn't based on how well you do when you compete. Exactly. And and your your competition goals are personal goals. That that's it that you set for yourself, and they they don't really you don't need to put extra weight of uh, the success of other things on that because. If you're a great instructor, you don't have to be a world champion. You don't have to be no. uh, all these things. And if you are a world champion and you're a terrible instructor, you're going to have a hard time, uh, you know, teaching jujitsu. If that's what you want to do, you're better off competing and and finding other things to do. Yeah. But, yeah. So you know, you're a person who I know you care about your students. You're there for them. Uh, you're a great instructor, and you know, regardless of how any competition goes, 
your students are coming back day after day and, 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 and they're there because of, of who you are and how you make them feel when they're on the mats. Exactly. Yeah. If, if, if in, at the end of my life, if, um, all, if, if I'm remembered for like the, like no one's going to remember the titles I won or how many gold medals or who I beat, no one's going to give a shit about that. Like, let, let's be honest, like all that stuff, it fades, it goes away. Like, like if all I'm remembered for at the end of my life is just how good my jujitsu was, I did a really shitty job <laughs> as a person because people will remember how you make them feel. People will remember what you taught them. And people are, are gonna are gonna remember um, what you made them realize about themselves. Like they're they're not gonna remember like oh yeah like this tournament like that medal or that time you lost like they're not counting that. They're counting the times that you hey called to say hey how are you doing or how how's your mom like how how are your kids like hey how's that injury you know like they're gonna yeah. remember that they're gonna remember the times that you cared. <laughs> not, like and everything else it's like. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah, or even the time you complimented them on their sweep, or yeah, you, exactly. something like, like building confidence. And exactly. Yeah, and, and and you don't have to be a world champion or a gym owner to do that for somebody. You could just be a blue belt in the gym talking to a white belt. Hey, that was a really nice takedown you did, and 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 help them build that confidence with that. They'll remember that. That has importance on on that day and and, and how they view themselves. Exactly. Sometimes just the right words on on a bad day or on any day could be the difference of like someone coming back or you know someone like approaching jujitsu differently or or having like you know I've I've had um had um one young lady who almost quit jujitsu and um and then she was encouraged to come to one of my like women's open mats and I talked about like my story and and then all of a sudden she's like, man, like I want to come back to jujitsu. And, and now she's, you know, she's one of the leading um, women of, um, for the jujitsu program at her at her school, you know. And um, and she's like a, and she's a huge role model for, for other young women. And sh- now she's passing that on. And like and, and really it just started with like just me saying like, hey, like, like I'm going through all this shitty stuff. And somehow I was able to. I was able to make it happen and I didn't let those, I didn't let those shitty circumstances like, you know, prevent me from, from being happy or I I didn't let them get in the way. Like I still have to struggle with these things, but I, you know what, I'm choosing to, I'm choosing to keep moving forward and be like, Oh wow. Like I can do that too. You know? And there's maybe there's more than again, more to jujitsu than just being good at jujitsu, but maybe I can, I can have another purpose, like helping other people, um, like feel stronger, just feel like, feel accomplished or find their place you know like it's not always it doesn't always necessarily be have to be about the jujitsu you bring sometimes it could just be about who you who you bring as a person it's nice to get that on the mats and 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 be that person on and off the mats as well yeah you will never regret you'll never regret being a good person being kind. (laughs) i I can guarantee you'll never regret being kind (laughs) um you might regret you know um being a jerk and being pompous and being arrogant well, i don't know sometimes people who are really arrogant aren't really like aware that they're being arrogant but um but you won't ever regret being a good person you won't ever regret that like even even when in people it's you know people can take advantage of it for yeah. sure but like even then it's like you know i was acting upon like the good of my heart yeah um and yeah. that i i can't apologize for that 100 <laughs> like you're super nice to somebody and they 
did you wrong or they treated you badly or they ignored it or didn't appreciate it, that's you still did the right thing because you want to be that person. You can't always yeah. control how the people react. You know, let's just say you you bought a homeless guy a sandwich and he says that no, thank you. You know, I, I'm not even. I'm not, or he's rude about it. Like you still did the no, thing but- that makes that makes you who you are. He, yeah, exactly. That's what's important. Be that. Yeah. Be the person, and and sometimes it gets uh, taken the wrong way or or pushed back. Keep being that person, and it's a far better way to live. Yeah, you can't always. You can the ones like I can't control the outcome, but I can always just. I can always control what I do, like my reaction or my 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 actions, and that's about it. I have no responsibility to anything after that. <laughs> I'll say zero responsibility, but like. I'm not responsible for, for how you, you are going to take things. I mean, like, that can also be taken in another bad, like, oh, I can be an asshole. I'm not responsible for your hurt feelings. Uh, no, technically you are because you're being a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, um, but again, like, we, when you're in a position to, 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 to do good, just do good. I yeah. mean, it's, it's, it's not hard, you know. I feel like it's, it takes a lot more effort, vastly more effort to be an asshole than it is to be a good person or just to be kind. Yeah. And, um, and I think I think more people, the world can use um, a few more kind people. Yeah. And both of which options are usually free. Why not do the, the nicer one that makes, I mean, to say something nice, absolutely free. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to, exactly. You know, it why not do the thing that builds your character and help somebody else at the same time? This, uh, I'm glad we've talked about this. It's been uh, a little different, but I did want to talk to you a little bit about jujitsu as well, Christina. <laughs> uh, you know, as I mentioned before, this is before worlds. Uh, you, you've had, a, you said you had an injury in December. Yes. Uh, by the time this airs, it'll be after worlds. You know, obviously we can't look into the future, but, uh, Tell me a little bit about that process of trying to overcome the injury and preparing for possibly the biggest tournament of your life. Yeah. Um, well, so I was competing at Fight to Win Pro uh, against Patty Fontes, and it was like a weird scramble. She turned, she was holding my foot, she went one way, and I went the other, and my knee was just like, nope. And so I have already torn my PCL um, last year, and so it was kind of like a current re-injury of that. I also strained my MCL, and at the time, how they thought I had almost fully torn my ACL as well. So it was like ACL, MCL, PCL, all that going on in my knee. That was in December. And then I went in for surgery in January. And so I had to miss out on Europeans because it was the same week. Uh, my, my, my day of surgery was the first day of Europeans. And I also had to miss out on PANS. Um, luckily, when I went in for the arthroscopic surgery, the damage to my ACL wasn't as severe as they thought. Um, as the MRI, you know, made it look and all the tests were making it look. So the MCL, they let scar in ACL. They didn't touch PCL. They didn't reconstruct. They just cleaned it up. So I was like really, really lucky with that. And so I wasn't able to compete, um, at all, but I was training by the end of February and I've been training and doing all this prep. I did all like the physical therapy, the rehab, like everything you could possibly do just so I can get my knee back to, you know, having that confidence. So, being able to step onto the mat at Worlds, um, like, do I want to win? Of course I want to win. But there's going to be so many different victories going on that day. Like, the first one is being able to step on the mats again and not having to have spent a year away from competing and six to nine months um, spending time recovering. Like, I was only able, I only had to, you know, I was back after three months' time, you know, like, that was great. Um, 
the biggest the biggest win for me would be able to step onto that mat with full confidence like again like reminding myself um that I belong I belong like I I I you know I deserve to be there I've worked really really hard to be there um it was you know for a time it felt like man I'm so behind everybody else like everybody's been able to compete and they've been able to do, do this and do that and they've been training and like there's I'm so far behind but like once I was able to let go of, of, of those thoughts and be like, you know, I'm not behind, I'm just on a different pace. Like we're on, we're all on different, on different tracks and then we're just going to all meet at the same place, but we all had different paths and it, it's like one's neither better or worse. It's, it's just different. And, um, you know, I, I, I had, I got caught up a little bit, you know, again, like basing my value of me as a person off of like me as an athlete and you know I had to like step back a little bit like no it's okay like I'm like I'm not that you know I'm not gonna lose I'm not gonna lose um sight of who I am and I'm not gonna get lost in the um the uh, the image of being the athlete and the competitor you know like there's still Christina as Christina um so I'm working really really hard to step out of this mask to feel confident feel strong and embracing it and again just validating that I, I belong there like I'm not I'm not just another person to fill up a bracket like I'm there to be a contender and and to be a champion and um and and that's what I intend to do yeah you 100% you belong there uh, you've done very well in the past and and this goal is is very realistic um sometimes you see athletes take some time off due to injury and come back even better. And it's hard to tell why that happens. But one of the reasons maybe is that your mind is really obsessing over uh, the game while it can't do it uh, physically. And so while you're, you're missing your mat time, your mind is going crazy and trying to really uh, wrap as much jitsu around it as it possibly can in order to, uh, satisfy the urge that it's not fulfilling. And I, I, it just seems like I'm really shocked by a lot of athletes that, that uh, have come back significantly stronger and better than when uh, when they were on that steady stream of constantly competing, constantly competing, constantly competing, take off several months, uh, you know, have uh, something happen, and, and, they, and now they're back. And it's like, where did this person come from? It's almost like a, a transformation was made, and it was... I don't. I remember I interviewed uh, Conor McGregor's coach, and and he was talking about that. Conor McGregor had had to have some time off. I don't know if he was injured or what. And and when he came back, uh, John Kavanaugh, his coach, he, he was ta- he was saying it was like a different person showed up. And and I asked him why, and that was his best guess is this, that he spent all that time thinking about uh, fighting and, and martial arts and and all this stuff. Where when you're daily grind of it. You're just doing it, and you, you've taken out some of that mental process. So, I think it's it might be a, a somewhat of a, an advantage to uh, have a different uh, approach to this tournament that you've had uh, a different approach than you have in years past. Oh, for sure. Like I just appreciate you know things a little bit more, and like not taking for granted certain positions, and like you know even like being like scraping things down to like the back, the back to the basics, you know, it's like, wow, I can't do all these fancy things because my body can't move that way yet. All right. So let's trip it down to the raw basics again, you know, and then building up from there. So like, it really forces you to like, not 
overextend your body or extend yourself past what your limitations are, but actually working with them and, and learning to move better because of it, you know, and moving more efficiently and moving more intelligently and not just like, you know, bombarding yourself and throwing yourself into a wall, but actually like, you know, like there's a strategy behind this and I'm going to have to use that right now because I am physically unable to, um, to be this wrecking ball right now. Like I have to be delicate. Well, uh, definitely we're all rooting for you, but uh, we care about you either way, no matter what happens at the tournament. But I do think this will be uh, a year that has a lot of opportunity for you. Oh, thank you so much. Christina, I'm you know very grateful that you stopped by today and, and talked with us and, and talked about jiu-jitsu, talked about mental health, and, and I'm sure you're helping people in both categories. Uh, you've also had some help for you, you know, from uh, sponsors. Who do you have sponsoring you? Big thank you to Control Industries, Digitsu, Online, uh, How Healthy Wellness Center, Savage Cryotherapy, um, Liao Optics, and uh, Virus International. Like um, these companies, like I, I really would not be able to do what I, I do um, on a daily basis if it wasn't for the support of these companies. Um, Control Industries, you know, they've been with me ever since I was a purple belt since 2011. Um, you know, hands down, one of my biggest supporters, and um, I've loved that I've been able to grow with them, and they've been able to grow with me. Um, and Digital Online, um, great! I just filmed my DVD, um, my full-length DVD with them a couple months ago, so be on the lookout for that. Um, so I'm really, really excited to have that released and see what the feedback is on on that. Um, and um, yeah, it just th- those two, particularly those two, and and how Healthy Wellness Center. Um, I, I'll have to say, like. Dr. Spencer Howell, like he fixes me right up, and like as much as as much as we do physically, um, it helps to have um, someone who can care for for like all the aches and pains and injuries um, and savage the cryotherapy. Like not only do they do like the uh, the strength and conditioning, but like the recovery with their cryo chambers and the and the therapy there. Um, the cryotherapy is um, is amazing. Um, it's kind of like the, I guess, like the new like trend thing right now as far as recovery goes. And so if you have an opportunity to try it out, I definitely would. How long have you been doing that? Cryotherapy? Oh, yeah. uh, I think for maybe like two, I want to say two years now, two and a half. I've been, I've been, I've been with them for, for a while. I think since 2016, I've been with them and, um, I, I definitely went in kind of thinking like, I'm not sure if this stuff is going to really help. And it, it really does help a lot. Like I was mm. feeling a difference after like three treatments. Um, and now like going in for like spot treatment or, or like sometimes just doing the full tank and I hate being cold, but I, I definitely like how I feel afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Gotta go through a little bit of the uh, pain to get to the feeling better, I guess on that one. Exactly. <laughs> is there uh, a good way to contact you if somebody wants to do a seminar with you? Oh, yeah. Um, you can directly email me, Christina, at kbjujitsu.com. Um, or you can always just hit me up on Instagram, at kbjujitsu, or on Facebook, Christina Barlon. Um, definitely, again, I'm really big on social media, so definitely follow me on Instagram. You can, you know, watch all my jujitsu stuff, all my food stuff, all my random car karaoke, weird, dancey stuff that I do, too. <laughs> Um, or even if I'm just jamming out on my ukulele or my guitar, I like to offer a little insight um, beyond the jiu-jitsu world that I live and awesome. um, kind of show who I am as a person, too. All right. Well, thank you so much for jumping on here with me. Right, thank you so much for having me again, Byron. And I want to thank Christina for coming on here and helping out uh, the listening audience. 
And uh, man, she's just such a leader in the sport. And she's she's growing into that role and she's filling it well. And she's helping people on and off the mat. And uh, by being uh, one of the members who are willing to, to share her, her like off the mat story and uh, help people. Um, man, it's great having her on here. And uh, wish the best for her, and, and we'll we'll definitely have her back on the show. Uh, so good about speaking about jujitsu and other topics, man. It, it was great to have her back on the show, and, and go check out the uh, past interview we had with her. I'll throw a link to that in the show notes as well. Um, it's about it was two years ago, basically, when we had her on, and I couldn't believe that that much time had passed. But uh, yeah, it's great to get it back and check up with her. You know, at this point in the show, we always tell everybody: uh, tell your friends about the show if you liked it, pass it on. And usually uh, we're expecting that uh, you'll know somebody else that does jujitsu or is thinking about it, and that's who you're going to pass it on to. But definitely if you know somebody who's struggling with mental illness, uh, struggling with depression or any such thing, uh, pass this on to them, and, and perhaps they'll be encouraged. Even, even that might not be the exact case. If you have, a let's say, a friend who has a, a son or a daughter that's struggling with mental illness, like – the stuff she was talking about helps explain it to people who don't understand it. Uh, and that's where a lot of us will be. Uh, a lot of us aren't self suffering from depression or suicidal thoughts, but the odds are in your life, you will know somebody who has to deal with that and just being aware of, of things to say or, you know, conversations that could come up or things like warning signs to look out for that. All that's very valuable. So this could, you know, it could be totally not jujitsu related and just, a mental health awareness episode really. And, uh, yeah, Christina did a great job and I appreciate that. Yeah. It may be a topic for another day, but I actually have a daughter who's bipolar and, uh, that's why I'm raising one of my grandchildren. So yeah, this episode is definitely, uh, uh, something that I appreciate. Yeah. That would be something we, yeah, that would be another topic that, uh, would get, you know, look at things from a different angle and, and help people, off the mat, you know, that's one of the goals with the show is we want you guys to really enjoy jujitsu the most that you possibly can. You get good at it, you know, the best that you can. No doubt about it. None of, none of the three of us are going to be like world champions. That's not on the goal. And it's not something that we could actually do, you know, with our off the mat lives. It doesn't match up at all, but we can become as good at jujitsu as we possibly can. Those are like jujitsu stuff but also you know we want our listeners to have the best off the mat life as well so uh talking to you guys about stuff like this is is uh an opportunity that we definitely should take yeah you know i I look at jujitsu as a lifestyle you know i'm not going to be a world champion as byron said and you know i train jujitsu it keeps me happy it keeps me grounded it keeps me in shape it you know i get to meet a lot of cool people like that and uh you know like we were talking about earlier i want to surround myself with good people and uh it just puts me in a better mood you know jujitsu is a lifestyle we're here to help people i mean not just in jujitsu and all around life and uh you know that's our goal speaking of helping people yeah. uh Let's, let's get on to the article of the week. <laughs> Man, Joe has like an A-plus in segues. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how to ride one of those things. I think you can <laughs> run them up in Houston. Um, I'll go give it a try. He can't ride a segue, but he could drive a vehicle. I can drive a vehicle. In fact, our article of the week is about driving vehicles, which I know is not uh, directly related to BJJ, but I think we can make it happen. Um, I have two daughters. They're two years apart in age and uh, circumstances led that both of them 
kind of took driver's ed overlapping. There was about a year where I was teaching teenagers how to drive. And this article is basically an anecdotal uh, recounting of that. And um, kind of what I got at was at the end of this year, I felt like I was a better and a safer driver because I spent a year every time we drove someplace, whether they were driving or I was driving, I was reminding them of the speed limit, reminding them of weather conditions, reminding them of safe following distance, um, you know, traffic, everything. And at the end of the year, I felt like I was noticing those things more when I was driving, which obviously would make me a safer driver. And so I thought about how this would relate to jiu-jitsu and kind of getting back to those basics. Because all the things I'm telling my girls about driving, they're things that everybody knows, but we kind of take for granted. And as I thought about them consciously, I felt like I was a better driver. And I think the same is true with jiu-jitsu. Um, in the article, I suggested one way you could do this is to talk to your coach. You know, hey, what are some basics I can focus on that will help me get better at jiu-jitsu? What are some fundamentals that I might be missing? Um, I didn't put in the article, maybe because I thought it was evident already, but I think the easiest way to actually replicate this in your jiu-jitsu life would be to pull a white belt or some new students under your wing and kind of mentor them. And if, you, if you're mentoring a, a newer jiu-jitsu student and you see them sitting out around, uh, taking a break during the free rolling part of class, go sit with them and watch the people roll. And maybe right in front of you, there'll be a purple belt and a white belt rolling. And you can talk to this young student. You can tell him, notice how the purple belt is doing this easily because his fundamentals are strong. And you talk about posture. You talk about grip fighting. You know, you talk about uh, controlling the pace. You talk about these fundamental things. You'll help that white belt get better. But you'll also be reminding yourself of the fundamentals that make your jujitsu good as well. Yeah, I've heard that uh, many times from people who are uh, teaching jiu-jitsu that they actually get better as they go back and they they teach the basics to a class you know and, and typically this happens you know you go up blue belt purple belt brown belt black belt and somewhere in the mix you find yourself picking up a class here and there and, and teaching it or maybe you open up your own school and part of your your thoughts would be man i don't have you know the people i used to train with around me or you know the room full of a bunch of black belts and brown belts to train with i've got a bunch of white belts but you've got to break this stuff down to an element where the white belt can understand it and at some point you lost those little elements and you just do them or you gloss over a couple of them and by having to teach it you see it from a different perspective and you'll probably clean up your own game a little bit it's like gary was talking yeah, about going back to the to, to his game and and uh and like if you forget a few of the basics and go back and, and polish those up and, and you'll have a great performance. Yeah, I've actually seen people teach technique before. And then when the class is, is uh, drilling, there'll be one student that's just not getting it. And their training partner's like, I'm not really resisting, but he's just not sweeping me. And the guy teaching the technique will kind of watch and then he'll say, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, let me show you the technique again. And he'll say, there's a really important detail here and, and he'll show that and then the student moves on and they get the technique. Now, it's not that he didn't know the detail or, you know, was not good at the detail when he taught the move the first time. It's that he's kind of taken it for granted. You know, he's been doing it so long that he just assumes that people know that, but not everybody does. And when he's kind of forced to look at it a little bit, I think that, uh, you know, develops his skill level as well a little bit more. 100%. I agree with that. 
and it's it, going back to the basics is going to really help anybody. And you know what? The article is on our website, pjbrick.com. Back to the basics. There'll be a link to in the show notes. And check out that great artwork <laughs> that came along with the with the article. <laughs> Man, uh, it looks like somebody took the Back to the Future logo and glossed over the word future and put the word basics, but couldn't figure out how to make it slant the same way. <laughs> <laughs> and it looks good, Byron. <laughs> Man, if you if you hadn't said that, I don't think most people would notice. I did not notice. I didn't I notice it either. Something yeah. was wrong. No, uh, I didn't notice it either. Yeah, sure. <laughs> way, to, way to point out your faults, Byron. <laughs> I got to go back to the basics of of photoshopping things and you know getting that curve shouldn't have been that hard but it just wasn't working out for me and i can get at the curve but not look right at the same time and yeah i just gave up and it says it's i'm happy with it <laughs> it's good enough <laughs> and it's a no danger of uh copying too much of back to the future to actually be uh relevant Oh, wait, Byron, I just got a phone call coming in. Oh, yeah, here we go. It's Michael J. Fox. No. He's upset because we stole his logo. Okay. Well, we got a little bit of problem coming our way. Yeah. I just hung up on him, so uh, hopefully uh, he doesn't call back. Yeah, it's just like jiu-jitsu. If you have a a problem, just kind of ignore it. You know, so what? Some guy's got a mount or got your arm isolated. Just ignore it, and it'll probably go away. You know, that is a good... uh, uh, thing or you know talking about jujitsu you know we just can't ignore stuff and and it's funny that you just happen to say that and i was talking to one of my training partners the other day is uh uh he he climbs he's got my neck and uh you know goes to mount and you know i'm being a little still and hopefully uh he's not going to get a good grip on my neck i i really kind of ignored defense thinking maybe he's going to let go of my neck and uh transition somewhere else nope I ignored everything, and uh, two seconds later, I'm gurgling and tapping. And uh, it made me think, you know, because after we got done, we were talking about it. And I knew I could be in danger, but I ignored it. You know, you, we can't ignore the danger signs. When, when uh, you know, they, the hand gets around the neck, the Kimura grip's locked up, uh, uh, somebody's got your ankle trapped, uh, we can't ignore. We need to act. Yeah. It's, it's almost like a like a form of meditation where it makes you focus on something. And if you don't, you'll probably have some trouble. You need to be uh, super aware of things that are happening. And, you know, I've heard, I think Gary say that's one of the best parts about jujitsu is that you have to focus all the time on what's happening. Yeah. As the instructor, the ski instructor for South Park says, you know, if you uh, continue to ignore, (laughs) you're going to be in for a bad time. Yeah. Yeah. Pizza or French fries. (laughs) <laughs> you don't want to have a bad time. And that's isn't that one of the best things about Jiu-Jitsu is the, the straight-up re- requirement that you have to focus, especially if it's yeah, a competitive yeah. match. Would you, is that one well, of the even, better things about Jiu-Jitsu, you think, Gary? Besides the pizza and french fries? Yes. Yeah, well, I agree. well, I know Gary's not much of a competitor, but... Uh, <laughs> let's I mean, he's talk, not much in the lift department about, either. <laughs> let's, let's talk about the best part of Jiu-Jitsu. Um, we've got an event coming up June 22, 23, and 24. That's not the best part of jujitsu. But we have heard that a father and son are coming to that event and they're traveling a pretty good distance to be there. And I also 
had the opportunity to roll with my son the other day for the first time in a while. He's done a little training. And those two things got me thinking about how jujitsu can bring families together. And I know Gary talks about the camaraderie within jujitsu, but when that camaraderie and that relationship can become a father son kind of thing or a father daughter, you know, a family thing, Gary, you've got to admit that that's the best thing about jujitsu. That is definitely the best thing about jujitsu right there. I think the fact that it's a solid self-defense, you know, we can go out there, have fun, learn self-defense. And it's not just self-defense against people who are trying to hurt us. It's self-defense against, uh, you know, heart disease and, and, you know, unhealthy habits. I think that's the best thing of jujitsu. What do you think about that, Carrie? I like Joe's better. (laughs) (laughs) You know what, Gary? I like yours better. What's mine? Mine is uh, family. When you get to train with your family, the camaraderie. Yeah, you, you would G- think so. Gary's like, Gary's like footlocks. That's the yeah. best thing about jujitsu. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter what Byron says. I'm always going to side with Joe. <laughs> yeah, well, and I'll always side with you, Gary. So, you know, I guess Joe's got a, a large say in this. Uh, but what's really happened here, Gary, is the best thing about jujitsu has changed several times. In the past several episodes, you know, you can look back at episode two forty three. <laughs> you you talked about three different things that were the best thing about jujitsu. <laughs> I hate you guys. <laughs> jujitsu can be anything you want it to be. That's the best thing about jujitsu. And then you know, so let's recap you know, these, Gary. You no, know, you know the difference is, you know, you guys are stale. You guys don't evolve. <laughs> Me. You know, my jiu-jitsu evolves. The best thing about jiu-jitsu evolves every week. You know, you guys are like Tyrannosaurus Rexes. You guys won't be around. I'm like the mosquito. I'll be around forever because yeah, I evolve. What's, what's yeah, happened? But as, a T-Rex, as a T-Rex, I can tell you, you're not going to armbar me. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm going to fill you with disease. Oh, that sounded weird. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what's See, happened Joe's here? Joe's already coughing. See that? <laughs> What's happened here is this has been a multi-episode prank <laughs> pulled on Gary. Uh, this is, reminds us of way back when when we got uh, Gary to talk about um, the same "I've got your back" joke time and time every week. He, he took the bait. It was really remarkable. But this time it's been uh, what's so great about jujitsu, and you know what? You've taken the bait several times. So, uh, Gary, relax, my man. Sit back and listen to this prank unfold as the weeks have gone by. (laughs) All right, my friends, especially talking to Gary here, let's play some fun music and talk about a prank that has been going on for several episodes. The prank starts with a conversation between me and Joe that happened off the air. We decided to get Gary to say certain things are the best part about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He's generally a really positive (laughs) guy, and if you ask him if something's the best thing about Jiu-Jitsu, he tends to agree with you and expand upon that. This seems like it would be a pretty easy prank to pull off week after week, and let's see how the evolution of this prank unfolds. We start off with Joe getting in, in episode 243. Yeah, Joe, I agree. That is what is so great about jiu-jitsu. There is, as uh, Helen Keller said, so much suffering. You know, we're on the mat, and I don't like to call them failures, but we fail, we suffer. 
many, many times each and every time we step on the mat. We're going to suffer more on the mat, you know, than we probably are, you know, in life, you know, in a given day. And all these setbacks, all this suffering is going to teach you to overcome those things. And, and like you said, Joe, we go through it so often that when we do have a bigger setback, you know, like you said, on the backside of the divorce there, we are going to, you know, overcome it much quicker and with more resiliency than the regular person, I think. And that is due to uh, jujitsu. Well, that was Joe getting him on episode 243. And I couldn't let Joe get that one by himself. I had to ask him about something else being the best part about Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Biggest thing I've learned from jiu-jitsu is just that tenacity, don't quit. And it's helped me so much in life, you know, versus just jiu-jitsu. It's probably helped me twice as much in life as it has helped me in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Is that, so that's like the best thing about jiu-jitsu for you? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely, Gary. <laughs> the best part about Brazilian jiu-jitsu is uh, learning that tenacity. Uh, how about this? The same episode, 243. We got you three times, my man. Three <laughs> times. And this one ended up being a reoccurring theme, so this is probably your really deep down best part about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Personally, I think the best thing about Jiu-Jitsu is just the camaraderie, the friendships I've made. And, uh, yep, friendships like the ones you have on this podcast where we give you a hard time. Next one is episode 244, where Joe gets you. And I've been aware sometimes when I've got stuff going on in life that it's like a two-hour reprieve yeah. from life's problems. And Gary, wouldn't you say that that's maybe the best thing about jiu-jitsu? In all reality, that and the camaraderie, you know, which also takes my mind off, is, is the best thing about jiu-jitsu is I forget about anything I have going on in life, which, you know, sometimes there's stressors, and they're, we make them out worse than they are but boy i can go to jiu-jitsu spend you know an hour two hours rolling and i forget about everything else and even when i come home i i don't think about it you know i'm on such a high and it just changes my whole mentality uh you know it just makes me that much happier for the rest of the day and you know i'm lucky i've got a very supportive wife and she understands me really well like she'll see times where i'll come home from work and i'm in a bad mood and it may not be a day to roll but uh, she'll see that I'm kind of upset or agitated, and she'll be like, "Hey, Gary, go roll, get to the gym, go lift weights, go ride your bike," and uh, and uh, you know it just does wonders for me. Gary, it truly does wonders for you, and clearly this episode, the best part about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was the fact that it was a big stress reliever. Let's fast forward a whole week to episode two forty-five, <laughs> and Gary takes the bait again. Gary, would you say that that's one of the best things about jiu-jitsu is being able to make a mistake, learn from it, and keep going? Yeah, that's, you know, that's what I love so much about jiu-jitsu is we're always going to make mistakes. And when you're going against a, a very good grappler, a good grappler, and you make a mistake, you're going to pay for it. And it's it's such a fun game because then you, as Lenny says, you, you make a note of it, you think about its cause, you respond appropriately. So then what you try to do is you have to figure out another way to take the back or to get the sweep without exposing your head, your arm, or whatever you expose. So it's kind of neat because you're never going to take that same path to grandma's house. You're always, uh, 
you know, there's always going to be different goblins and everything jumping out of the path. And, you know, everybody's got a different way to keep you from getting to Grandma's house. And you want to get to Grandma's house because you want those cookies. So you're going to find a way to get there. So uh, that's that's what I think is so great about jujitsu. Even if you have to go over the river and through the woods, you're going to get to Grandma's house. <laughs> yep, we're going to Grandma's. <laughs> I can't believe you uh, brought up going to Grandma's house in a talk about what's great about jujitsu, but you sure did, Gary. Learning lessons, uh, overcoming mistakes, on your way to Grandma's house, getting that cookie. That is the best part about Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Now let's go to episode 247. And for some reason, this one kind of gets caught by Gary and raises his suspicion. Thinking about all the benefits that you mentioned, a big one, health. Think about how much better your health is because you do jiu-jitsu. Is that the best part about jiu-jitsu, you think? You know, for me, not necessarily. I'm really big into the camaraderie, the social aspect, the self-confidence has given me, um, you know, in life. It it has made me more self-confident. It has made me a a happier person. But I also think when I'm happy, my health is better. I I guess it could go back to health. I think if I'm happy, my blood pressure is probably lower. Um, You know, there's going to be less stress. As as we all know, stress leads to, you know, sickness, disease. So, uh, yeah, um, you know, I, I guess they do go hand in hand. So it's maybe not the best, best thing, but you wouldn't have to say, uh, I love that about jujitsu, right? Oh, definitely. You you got that right, Joe. I have a feeling you guys just threw me down a bit. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, Gary. Uh, uh, we do okay. have a quote. Of- what, happens, <laughs> what happens a lot on this show is... I, I, I'm the guy who gets picked on on this show. I, I'm, you know, I got a couple bullies I hang out with, and they pick on me and send me down a path and make fun of me. And uh, I have a feeling you guys got some problems. I can't wait to see what it is, though. So, you know, I appreciate it. Yes, Gary, episode 247. You are hot on our heels with our prank. You know something's happening. And episode 248, you referenced our last attempt to get you with the benefits of jiu-jitsu. And basically, at this point in time, the prank is busted. Gary likes the game. Uh, the floor is lava, <laughs> in which he try, which he tries to stay completely on top of his opponent at all times. No feet, no hands touching. Uh, it just tries to ride his opponent like that. That's Gary's favorite part of jiu-jitsu is the the playing the lava floor, right, Gary? Yeah, yeah. But you know, the crazy thing is. I think the guy I rolled with this morning was doing that to me. (laughs) (laughs) Because I feel like I was in the lava today. Yeah. What's great about that uh, lava game, Gary? You know, it's great about that game is you learn how to control top position. And really, top position is where you want to be. Yeah, it's probably the best thing about jiu-jitsu. Well, besides the uh, health benefits. (laughs) 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 That's it. We got busted. Uh, we're going to do this so many weeks in a row until Gary catches on using the floor as lava and benefits of the top game. And Gary put the pieces of the puzzle together and found his way to Grandma's house. <laughs> there you go, Gary. It's, uh, <laughs> it's all over now. <laughs> you know what the best you know, thing about this podcast is? Gary you- always figures out that we're pranking him. I mean, it might take four or five weeks, but he always (laughs) figures it out. 
<laughs> you know, though, I didn't figure that one out. I just, uh, I actually threw out the health benefits to bust on Byron on episode 248, <laughs> you know, because Byron kept trying to tell me the health benefits were the most important. But, you know, a lot of times I never did say that was the best thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I really only said two things were the best thing, but it always kept going back to camaraderie. And uh, in my opinion, that is the best thing besides the health benefits. But, you know what, I find this is a little crazy on this episode. You know, we're talking about uh, mental health and, you know, trying to help everybody out. And you guys are, you know, pushing me down a dark, you know, path. You know, I really appreciate that, guys. Well, we know you're just having a good time with us, but uh, we're having a good time. Really, either. <laughs> really one of the best things about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is the, uh, uh, I, I guess, saying mental health benefits might be overstating it a little bit, but it, it does help uh, people deal with stress. It helps people uh, deal with social anxiety. I mean, there are just a ton of benefits of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I think that's the best thing about Jiu-Jitsu. I would say the camaraderie and then the health benefits. <laughs> and how about the distraction uh, from your day? It's, it's also a big one, Gary. Well, you know, I would say camaraderie <laughs> and then the health benefits. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, that was, that's been interesting to, to throw that out there. I mean, you were like, I think you guys are messing with me. I don't know what it is. Uh, one more week and we decided to give it another shot. <laughs> I would have kept going. I would have went farther. <laughs> you would have got me more weeks. I had to figure it out. But you're, yeah. the, the the root of this is that, like, the the setup is. Don't you think that's the best thing about jujitsu? And then you would come back and you would say, "Yeah," and then you would typically bring it back to something else. But you wouldn't say maybe once or twice. No, like, yeah, that's great about jujitsu. And then you'd work from that base. Yeah, you're a very agreeable guy typically on the show. And and uh, when we throw you a softball, isn't that great about jiu-jitsu? Well, yeah, that's great about jiu-jitsu. And, uh, that is great. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of great things about jiu-jitsu. And, you know, that's the difference. Like, I am so positive. You know, I, I know, you, yeah. you know you go down one path and you, you can get negative if you start talking about something else. But I'm positive with everything I talk about. You know, like you said, I'm agreeable. I'm, I see so many different aspects. I keep my eyes open. You know, the horizons are broad for me, Byron. You know that's what I love about jujitsu. <laughs> when you go to when you go to class, class is over. I'm not saying that there's never a time when somebody's talking about some personal stuff that's tough or or they're nursing an in- injury, but isn't it generally positive at a jujitsu class? I mean, after jujitsu, I mean, you might be beat up, you might be tired, but everybody had a good time. You know, you talk to somebody like Gary, and it's just positive after positive after positive and i honestly believe that is one of the best things about jiu-jitsu i would say more like camaraderie and then health well that too <laughs> and the floor is lava that's great <laughs> yeah the lava the floor is lava uh that was great going back and uh listen to me uh getting punked <laughs> well we're glad you enjoy it gary because it it might happen again sometime yeah, it just makes me realize uh, I'm not as bright as I thought I was. And realizing that's one of the best things about the podcast, isn't it, <laughs> <laughs> Now I know why I'm on this podcast. Uh, hey, I, I've learned my place, Byron. <laughs> I'm sure you'll get us back sometime, Gary. Oh, I'll get your back all right. 
Literally. <laughs> so after a slight derailment, which was fun. No, that was a good talk, derailment. Let's talk about the BJJ Brick Experience, the Omapalatapalooza, as Gary likes to call it. Uh, June 22, 23, and 24, uh, Fox Fitness has graciously offered to host a BJJ Brick event. Uh, Friday night, we'll have open mat. And Tim Sled, Rolly Delgado, Jake Fox, Byron Jabara, Gary Hall, Joe Thomas, along with a bunch of other folks will be on the match for open mat. Uh, June 23, Tim's going to be teaching a youth seminar. I'm actually looking forward to watching that myself just to gain a little better insight into teaching kids. And then Tim and Rolly will both be teaching seminars for adults. On June 24th, there'll be a BJJ Brick team event to where we'll be showing some techniques. And uh, there'll be a live recording that night as well. So we're looking forward to seeing everybody June 22, 23, and 24 in Wichita, Kansas. Hey, and they are probably going to be playing some jokes on me too. So you do not want to miss that. That's actually true, Gary. So uh, <laughs> not a bad idea. You know, as you guys were going, you know, I was like, okay, what do they have planned that they're doing to me? You couldn't predict what we have planned for you, Gary. And you're not going to probably see it unless you're at the event. Uh, we may put it on YouTube. It depends how it comes out. But, uh, <laughs> oh, it'll be on YouTube. <laughs> be on your toes, hopefully my friend. It's not, hopefully it's not going to include a bottle of baby oil and a game of Twister. <laughs> well, speaking of, of game of Twister, and uh, see, I'm not prepared, and I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> just, just start talking. Something good will happen. <laughs> Gary was going to hit me with the audiobook, but really we covered the that segment with your prank uh, unfolding, Gary. And okay. I don't think we need to so read audio book this week. Okay. <laughs> uh, we appreciate you stepping in there, Gary, and, and, and playing along with the prank, my friend. Oh, yeah. Don't worry. Uh, your payback's coming. Yep. Maybe no, at the event. Not really. I think we'll double. <laughs> not really. <laughs> what? Okay. Something that happens that doesn't get aired is Gary's prank on us. And I'll call him to start recording the episode and he'll act like he's not there. <laughs> Which that's not a good prank. It's not. I mean, it's okay. I mean, you kind of get me something. Did it connect? Are you there, Gary? Are you there? Hello? Hello? And like, yeah, I'm just messing. I with hit you. the wrong button today. <laughs> oh Yeah. <laughs> But occasionally, or, or you'll not, talk not, and you'll kind of cut yeah. words of the not sentence. Not only am I not very organized, I'm not very technologically uh, sound either. So uh, where Byron thinks that, uh, you know, it's I'm playing a joke, normally I just can't get the darn thing to work. That's my issue. <laughs> well, the, I'll just take it as a joke, uh, which gives you some bonus points there, Gary. And oh, I don't need bonus points, Byron. It leaves me seeking revenge. You know, that's really what, <laughs> what you want to do. <laughs> I want to give a quick shout out to uh, the Patreon supporters uh, on the podcast. We've got definitely a handful of people that are uh, stepping up and said, hey, I want to support this show and help it uh, produce the best quality content that it can. I want to give a shout out to Nathan, Tim, and Keith. And what they've done is they go to the, the Patreon website. There's a link in the show notes, and they're pitching in. Uh, the most common thing is to pitch in a dollar per episode. End of the month, your uh, card will be you know charged a dollar per every episode we've put out. And as a token of our appreciation, we mail you out a 5-inch BJJ Brick Gee Patch, a BJJ Brick sticker, and cordially invite you to our private Facebook group. 
where uh, we'll often talk about upcoming episodes and get a little input from the listeners there. And uh, man, that uh, Patreon has been a tremendous help to the podcast and it's really helped develop the show to where it's at now, approaching episode 250. And episode 250 will be uh, a doozy, to say the least. We will be recording it. Here's the plan. <laughs> In case uh, this doesn't happen, this is the plan. We're going to record it the day before it airs, which is a stretch for me as somebody who edits podcasts because typically it takes me a day or two to edit something down. Uh, we'll be recording it in the evening. Typically the, the podcast will air uh, in the morning on a Monday, at least here in, in Wichita, that's when it airs, it, you know, judging on your time zone. It, it, it hopefully it'll air at the same time. But 2.50 is recorded about 12 hours before it actually airs. Maybe tw- uh, more than 12, 18 hours. And the reason why that's happening is because we're going to record it in front of a studio audience. Uh, some of the people who are attending the uh, Beaches of Brick uh, camp, uh, they're all invited to attend the live recording. I don't know how many will show up, but I know that uh, I'll be there. <laughs> Hopefully Joe and Gary can make it for the recording. Uh, maybe Tim and Rolly. Uh, maybe we'll take some questions from the audience. Uh, we got a lot of, of options here, but the a couple of hurdles have been thrown at us as far as recording all together, recording in a larger room, not sure about the sound quality and issues that we'll be able to, uh, to deal with. Um, hopefully it's not a train wreck or a dumpster fire. Uh, and hopefully I can get it edited and up the next day. So it just heads up 250 might come out a few hours late or even a day later. It'll, it'll be there on the corner. And if it's not the live recording at all, we'll mention it, but I guess it was a disaster, <laughs> but I but don't think that'll happen. Yeah, I mean, those are just obstacles that are thrown our way. And, you know, probably the best thing about jiu-jitsu is we learn to adapt and overcome those obstacles. So uh, I think we'll be okay. Oh, that's a good one, Gary. So, Byron, this episode we're going to actually be recording and people will be able to see us? Uh, So I do plan on doing uh, some video and putting it on on our YouTube channel. It's uh, not—the term live, I don't know. Maybe we'll stream it on Facebook. Uh, but there'll be people in the room yes, that are able yes, to see that's, us? That's the plan. We'll, we'll have an audience there and some folding chairs. We'll have a table set up with our microphones. We'll have our show notes, you know, quote of the week and, and normal stuff like that. And uh, it, it'll be like a kind of like a topic episode. We'll probably be talking about the weekend. I mean, we just were wrapping up uh, a weekend of jujitsu together, you know, talking about some things we've learned and some uh, different things like that. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm just trying to make sure I've, I've got a plan in effect that – I, I will have to wear pants for that episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, not if you guys are playing Twister. Oh, Gary. <laughs> oh, is this, is this a no-gi episode? Uh, at least shorts. <laughs> but, but, you know, that's the best thing about jiu-jitsu is we have both gi and no-gi. That's what I love about jiu-jitsu. Well, that's what yep. I call it, jiu-jitsu and no-gi. <laughs> or submission wrestling. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so it'll be kind of pushing us a little bit out, outside of where we are usually, uh, a, with the recording of it and B with the turnaround. So if it's an, if it's a day late heads up, that's what's happening. Don't freak out. And, uh, you know, I'm sure I'll get a couple emails about, Hey, what happened to the episode? Uh, hopefully listen to the end of this one and you'll understand, but that's the plan. And if all goes according to plan, it'll be released as usual and it'll be a great episode. We'll all be together, uh, hanging out. The camaraderie will be nice. And if there's not an episode that drops on that Monday, if it's a day or two late, there will be a YouTube drop, Gary singing and dancing. So there will be content on that Monday one way or another. 
And most people are actually waiting for the singing and dancing by myself. Yeah, go like our, or uh, subscribe, I guess is the correct term, to our YouTube channel. Uh, I plan on taking some video of the event if you're not able to attend in person. Uh, we'll be sharing some of that. Obviously not the whole thing, but we'll be sharing some of the experiences on YouTube. And uh, that should be a fun way to, to kind of join in if you're from afar. What a great episode. Uh, a lot of different topics and uh, on and off the mat stuff, you guys. 250 around the corner. We're excited to bring it to you. And uh, it'll be unlike any episode of BJJ Brick that's ever been recorded. That's groundbreaking. Stay sweaty, my friends. And don't forget to shower. Train hard, train smart, get better. We'll see you on the mats, guys. And remember, the best thing about jiu-jitsu is camaraderie and then health benefits. And no gi twister. But I am. Uh, I'm trying to figure out the schedule here, guys. Uh, you know, when to go out to eat, when to go to the comedy club, when we're going to, uh, you know, record the episode and, and that sort of things. And I always am building in time to shower. <laughs> Very important. <laughs> Thank you for listening. I hope you find the time today to roll. After all, the best way to get better at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs>